he's black bad make love if he has the time <laughs> oh he's bad super bad the best thing is if he oh has my time God. if he has the time so busy he's busy we, we, we know of new methods of attack I'm actually going to start to go by Mandingo. The Trojan I mean, someone's got to reclaim oh, it. Name you, should, son, you, should, you, should, you should call yourself on like Dan Mingo or something. Dude, <laughs> name your son Mandingo. Yeah. What is yeah. that guy on Fox News? Dan Bongongo or Bongino? Bongino. Oh, Bongino. I think if you scramble those letters he, up, it's Mandingo. That's not a black guy. No, it yeah, isn't. No. no, it's a bad guy. Oh, no, no. Guy. That's the, 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 the like Secret York, Service guy. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. New York ethnic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's something going on there. I don't know. No, it's just it like is. it's like Andrew Schultz. It's like it's like yeah, it's. I don't yeah, know. He's more tan than Andrew Schultz. Not. By much. Don't, I saw something about him today. Andrew? He has like another book out. Oh, on, not Andrew Bongino. Schultz then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bombo or whatever. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Someone was getting mixing it up with him. But just these characters come and go. Um, all right, let's um, start. Push your mic up a little bit so you yeah. don't have to crane your neck. There Thank you. Go. you. So you if guys have never watched Mandingo. Is is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only uh, listen. I only watch like black exploitation or racist movies yeah. if they have and or racist movies uh, if they have uh, killer soundtracks. That's, well, that's of, the rule. One of the things that really stood out to me in the film, beyond its racism, I mean, just obvious over the top racism, is wow the gladiator- gladiatorial combat between the slaves, mm. the black male slaves who they mm. kept referring to as bucks. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Which is just um, that's a bit racist. Yeah, it's a little. Bit. The I mean, I'm not really the one that adjudicates these things. It no, made you it, uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable. It's literally it, nothing that has ever made you uncomfortable in the the last sort of theater of race. The last seconds of the last standard non-Patreon uh, podcast, Camille yeah. like suddenly went full resistance so like maybe he's just yeah, that's changing. True. <laughs> what that's happened? true what did i say what you're like you like you we need to impeach uh, trump he's a bad actor and all this kind of stuff yeah. like he went for it it was great that was a regular dispatch that's what i'm you saying I realized after that, that's not all resistance i want to impeach everyone nah, yeah, yeah, yeah but you know what i realized yeah. that about the impeachment thing uh-huh is i asked you uh very generous uh, of me <laughs> to waste your time for a couple of days uh, during the impeachment to come and do live television with me mm-hmm. for some unexplained reason. Well, I got a check, so. Uh, yeah, we got a check. It wasn't enough. Yeah, it wasn't enough. You didn't, uh, Olivia Nizzi uh, negotiated. I, I mean, you didn't. It, was it like Bill Maher level check or a little bit less? I mean, I don't know. Does Bill Maher give you a check? Yeah, mm-hmm. you get paid like 600 large, man. Six, 700. That's, that's it. More than that. I mean, no, I don't I think it's only good. <laughs> they tax <laughs> it. They tax it. Talking about after taxes, he's trying to like back up now. Like, no, no, no I'm cool. Like, I, like, it's just it's just tax issue. Yeah, I was actually surprised by that too because Vice um, took the taxes out of the check that they gave me. I would never do that with a contractor, generally yeah, speaking. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we can I can sort that out with them. Maybe not on no, this. That's fine. Broadcast. That's okay. Um, but the thing that I realized is that because I made you do that. You knew for that those couple of weeks mm-hmm. everything there was to know about impeachment. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And once you once you actually paid attention, you were like, "Wait a second, these guys are crooks." Yeah, it was like, a, so oh, that's, not, "That's not true." I was yeah, because you came in pro, that you came I was in already pro impeachment, but it was yeah, it was more abstract. Yeah, but when you yeah, came yeah. into that episode that we did, uh-huh. you were like going, and then this, and then this, and that can't be true. And that was like, "Oh man, he knows what he's talking about now." And it's like he's been he's been taking that fake no, news. In. He went from like la la la, I can't hear you. Yeah, and yeah stuff. totally. To that like, was I had totally. to hear. That is just not true. Yeah. So I was, true. 
I was paying attention. You're a guy who comes out of prison I and just read a bunch knew. of books. <laughs> <laughs> you got a fucking bow tie on. You're like, <laughs> no, I certainly knew more after doing that yeah, and had yeah. could had instant recall you, of the though. facts. It but it was you. gross. Yeah. Yes, it was gross and it was awful. It it continues to be gross and awful. Um, but I, I was already uh, pro impeachment, I believe, at that time. I was already on the side of we should indict the motherfucker. Um, Maybe not. Yes, I think you're like probably. everyone should be impeached, especially for whatever you know obscure war that I'm yeah. decide to be. Yeah, I'm the first to signal my opposition. To. I mean, to to the extent we talk about, and here we are talking about impeachment again. Like the severity of his failing. Three minutes in the the the, the <laughs> awfulness of his crime. I mean, it's it's bad. Yeah, but nobody died. Nobody died. Oh, you know, you know what, Democrats you know what, are making um, the case that they did. But it's a stupid argument. You, 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 it's pretty stupid. You know, it died my interest in impeachment <laughs> about three seconds ago. Yeah. I think um, so. Amen to that. But let me let me get, put us, get it over with or acquit him or whatever. Let me put us in uh, time and place here. Um, yeah. We are, of course, doing this from my apartment in Williamsburg, as we've mm-hmm. done three previous times. This is dispatch number four, and we're doing it. As uh, has happened, I think, a couple of times, the last two times, on a Sunday night, yeah. mm. which gives me an excuse uh, not to see my child and to drink. Uh, so um, both she of those be in things. Bed by now, I think. Not actually true. Um, mm. She was. I woke up last night and she was like, "You're snoring," and I'm not asleep. And I'm like, "What?" And I didn't know that she woke me up. I was mad at her because I couldn't get back to sleep. Nobody wants to hear this. But um, but she did. You do want to hear the fact that she did do again. Um, an Indian accent today. And I was like, oh, she was like, no. how is it? And I'm like, well, <laughs> the, the reason is this isn't a fascinating thing, by the way, Disney plus, you know, this new thing. Yes. I subscribe. I subscribe too. Yeah. It's like nine, seven bucks a month. Or whatever. I swear. Six episodes Easy into the Mandalorian so mad at us for not subscribing. Cause we have an, our TV's too old. Oh my before. God. So you like, guys are losers. You, you are the yeah. family that would have the TV is too old. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work on a TV. It's a that's smart a TV. That's dumb. That's not, oh my no, God. that's not, <laughs> I, you know, Smart I, for its age. I think it would actually work if you got an Apple TV, like, uh, honestly, or a Google yeah. Chromecast. If it's a smart television that it has an HDMI port and it could probably work with an Apple TV. You or realize who you're talking to. I do. Literally. Uh, I'm going to come over to your house. Do you know what, do you, if you've been to Matt's house, the, t- the TV room looks like uh, Fred Sanford's bedroom. It's like <laughs> Grady's sleeping on the floor. Fucking wires everywhere. Like, what is this? And I don't know. He's a broken TV. Ain't got no picture. And it's like, I'm like, what are you doing, man? Can you not watch anything? The kids are all like crying. Oh all God. the kids are there crying because they can't watch. It only plays like the, like the second Superman from the 80s. Just that on repeat. And it gets halfway through and it restarts. I don't remember who did Gene, the Gene um, Hackman was good. He's really good in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like he was like an annoyed, kind of nebbish <laughs> in that. Uh, but I get uh, Disney Plus. The thing I yeah. don't re- remember is that Fox. Disney and Fox, that whole thing that happened mm. means they have all the Simpsons, right? Yeah, so, that's right. So my daughter, who's eight, starts watching the Simpsons. Um, and I'm like, because she always wanted to watch it in the past because she's like, cartoon, me cartoon. And I'm like, you know, cartoon, no, not that one. And it is a couple of things that I've realized about it. You know, it's on the 35th season or something. God knows what it's at now. Yeah. But I said, skip the first couple seasons, babe. You know, you can't skip much. And she's like, okay. And they're not, they're just bad, right? The drawing's weird and the voices are different. You won't like it. And she's so into it now and crying, laughing, and I love it. But all the number like of adult things in that, that I'm like cringing in the other, yeah, room, like, yeah, oh my yeah. God. She came to me today, eight years old, and she said, Papa, is Smithers gay? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he, he's, he's gay. He's super gay. And then about five minutes later, I go and a new episode starts, and it's Marge's sisters, and one of them's 
a lesbian and getting married to a woman who turns out to be a man, by the way. Wow. And this is the thing that I realize about this. Wow. There's, it is, you know how you used to say like, oh my God, I watched this movie from the thirties and like, you know, Mm -hmm. like song of the South. It's so different. (laughs) It's like 15 years ago. And it's like, I cannot believe what they were getting. Like there was a moment in an episode, like not even in the first couple of seasons, there was probably like 10 seasons in or 11 seasons in. And Bart says, oh my God, that's so gay. On the episode, I was like, huh, I forgot that we used to say things like that. (laughs) And then, of course, there's Apu and the rest of it, and that's been controversial. And that's why my daughter's doing the accent. She's trying to do an Apu accent. Does Apu still do the accent on the show? They got rid of of it. Did they kill him? They killed him because of that, because of the guy who made the documentary. But but I hope he was actually murdered on the show. Like, I hate crime. Well, the last one, he, he, <laughs> when he was murdered, he was probably like, excuse me, sir, please do not murder me. It's <laughs> like, a long time. But not only that, by the way, is that you have groundskeeper Willie, who's Scottish, right? They, I was watching. Who they with, haven't, they haven't been forced to murder yet. Weirdly, no. Huh. And it's like, he's like an alcoholic. Yeah. But you like lay I mean, the Scots have never been through anything. No, I mean this is literally wow, like Scottish stereotypes. I don't I'm, know if he's I'm cheap offended. in it, but yeah, as someone as a, who's like a. Eighth Scottish. Eighth. This is so wielding like knives around like Bigby. <laughs> oh, but the best thing is that she's watching one where um, the woman, the sister, nobody who, of course, nobody wants to have sex with, so she can't have babies, mm-hmm. and so she goes to China to adopt one. Uh, the whole family goes to China. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. think of that episode. Oh right? boy. The whole family is in China. Yes. Oh, no. Right? So, oh, no. I mean, it's literally every time. It's like, I can't believe it. It's like, and Levy's laughing. And I'm like, this is like literally 10 years ago. And, they, and they're getting rid of a character who is like deeply sympathetic in so many ways. Apu. And like, yeah, yeah. And like, he's being set upon by people. And the people are like, don't understand the differences between countries and like you know yeah and they're making fun of those people wasn't it uh, jeet here actually a canadian indian american or whatever you describe jeet here as um an asshole i have no uh, idea wrote uh he's a new republic guy and and like a a long thready uh, twitter guy but he also has a pretty good knowledge of comics that's the most interesting thing about his writing um but i think he i think and i'm sorry jeet he's the comic guy He's the combination of The Simpsons of of Nelson the bully and the comic store guy because he's like a he's like a Twitter bully. Uh, and he um, who, you know, you would think would be on the, the fence between the kind of identity politics part and then the comics appreciation part wrote uh, what I think was eventually an influential thing saying like, you know, it's you know, it's time for Abu to retire. You know, it's a, it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've, I got so, some disheartening news back that I've verified from multiple sources. Oh no. They're going to drop the Apu character altogether. I, I missed that. I missed yeah, that. So, yeah. Hmm. Dropping it altogether. See, that's the thing is that, is that that's the power of being a lone psychopath is that there might be <laughs> five people that do it. And then, of course, there's a generation of people who grow up in this kind of thing and I noticed it the other day. I actually talked to her about, I had lunch with a friend today and she was telling me uh, the same thing happened to her was that I was doing, remember, I think I mentioned this on the show and I was doing like a generic accent. It was like, it was indistinguishable. I didn't, it could have been like, you know, Montenegrin or something. It was just a fake accent. Just, I'm not a native English speaker. And someone was like, whoa, whoa. And I was like, you don't even know what accent I'm doing. And you're like already upset. And she said the same thing that someone jumped down her throat for doing like an act. She's like, it wasn't anything specific. I was just doing like a fake, I don't know, drawing from other things because I was trying to indicate and whatever. And I think it's so funny is that people are just like dying to get upset about something. So when somebody points out Apu, you're going to have a small 
army of people that are going to be there and get, getting upset about these things. But it's the great power of like five people on the internet because it was this guy, it was his Hanif, what's his name is the guy that made the documentary about, I thought it was like the problem with Apu or something. And it's like the problem with Apu mm-hmm. is that you don't find him funny. And it's like, well, for every kid who has been, you know, said you smell like curry and all this stuff and like, you know, bad stuff that I remember at my school that people were terrible and said things about anybody who was different. I remember people making fun of a guy named Bogdan who came, was Romanian and he's like horrible thing. The guy like his parents had escaped like the Ceausescu regime and people were brutal to him, brutal to him. Myself might have, might have been included, yeah, yeah. but I was probably friends <laughs> with him later. But it's like this stuff exists without the Simpsons. And actually, the Simpsons character is incredibly sympathetic, and it's also somebody who's in a alien culture and making mistakes too. But that's that's part of the humor of it. But this usually the joke is like how dumb Homer is about everything and about other cultures. Mm-hmm. And you know, and there's like episodes where they talk about vegetarianism with him, and Lisa becomes friends. And all that. It's not a negative. Like the problem is, we we throw everything into one category. It's like you used to have like black characters in like Three Stooges um, shorts. And they were always like superstitious. They were scared. That was always like, I, I seen a ghost. You know, it was oh, yeah, always yeah, that. Yeah. It was always that. Like, feats don't fail me now. It was like always that stuff, you know? And like, that's malicious, right? Yeah, that's yeah, bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's not malicious. Oh, it's fun. You just said that Mandingo was like the most offensive thing you've ever seen in your life. It is. Why were you watching Mandingo? But it was on Prime. You oh, thought, okay. <laughs> so is the, a thousand Hitler movies. If you read movies. the description, the description does not say <laughs> this is the most offensive Man film you will watch Dingo. for oh. months. I, yeah, I, I, I got an idea. It's the film. Man Dingo. Dingo. Well, one thing that's funny, listeners, <laughs> is when I said Man, I watched Mandingo yesterday, he's, and Matt says, the Mandingo. Yeah. Almost yeah. as if it's the Mandalorian. Yeah. He's yeah. like, no. No, I meant that there's a comma after man. I, man. I, meant, I, meant, I meant the root movie. As yes. it, like, if you would say, I, you know, I saw Shaft, I would say the Shaft. Yes. Because uh, that's Richard Roundtree. Okay. You were, you were italicizing it. That's good. Yeah. But well, I don't know if there's been a re- remake of Mandingo yet. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> they could get it right because by the way in like the black exploitation movies the problem is they're all made by like white guys I but the guys know, are always like heroic well there's a lot of them that are by the way yeah there's, there's like the guys are heroic like shooting people and like fuck you like revenge stuff like sweet sweet back and but that one like is that. not is not made by a black guy I mean well, a white man, guy man, that's made by a black guy yeah yeah, sweet, yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah. yeah and that was like the first one uh, was it the first one? It might I think be. So. It's widely hailed this one. I don't know yeah. if it actually clocks up. But I got yeah. a, I got a bunch a lot of, of fucking in that movie. The, well, I mean, all of them. Where yeah. it's like you know, Pam Greer would just like not even be cast and should just show up and have sex and like <laughs> walk by topless. But I think you should do this. Here's my idea. How speaking of the Apu thing, how long would it take you mm. to get Mandingo taken off of Amazon Prime? Shit, not long. Just as an exercise. As an not exercise. Not long. Huh. Because you remember when I did I did the thing um, I did the mistaken huh. thing, where they wouldn't put um, some oh they wouldn't put the cover of Charlie Hebdo on the wire services because they said it was offensive to uh, they, did, they they said we don't think do things that offend religions right. on the wire service so I immediately logged onto AP and found Andre Serrano's Piss Christ, yeah, which I'm yeah. not offended by, but but like I said, hey guys, Piss Christ is on there, and then they took it down. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the point that I'm making. It's the opposite point. Put the other one up, and I, I bet you could probably get that get that taken off with just a little bit of uh-huh. like fake yeah. outrage. I don't, I don't want to, but I think it's an interesting experiment. And if well, it happens, like, it's it like would be interesting text. to watch this happen. 
but I won't be responsible. You're Alan Sokol. Yeah. It's like social text, the, yeah. the, the, the fake. But they will actually keep it off. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Well, that's, and, and the, there's yeah. actually that's things okay, that because it's kind of racist. I right? want them to do things like add boss nigga to the catalog, which I don't know. Actually, I'm going to look and see if they have it on there. They do. You have to search boss person of color. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know what's funny? The actual copy of Boss Nigger that I owned, I bought from Amazon.com. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I also su- bought a poster from there, like an original poster, which but I that's framed the same in, my, thing. in my house. But that's fine. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as buying like an NWA album. Right? It, no. Why not? It's different. But no, it's like the, 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 this, it's not a racist movie. No, it's not. It's empowering to the boss. It, it actually is. All the bad people are white, which, course, is, the, which is the difference. And <laughs> Mandingo actually has like this, this earnest depiction. It's not earnest in any way, actually. But this depiction of a somewhat sympathetic, like white slave owner. And he is totally just like fucking his slaves. But he's like in love with them all. He just loves them all. And he's kind of gentle with them. And one of the slaves history, one of the slaves, one of the slaves falls for him. And she's just like, oh, please pay attention to me, Massa. And every once in a while, she calls him by his first name. Oh, wow. Um, It's just it's really it's brutal. It is bad in watching. And they also don't have any speaking parts like the slaves are really they're just like robots. They're just dumb robots, except for this one angry slave who is speaking in this just the worst deep southern stereotypical slave accent you could ever imagine uh the director um, by the he's way he's the only heroic character in the whole thing and he's murdered the director by the way um did uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea of mandingo oh, fantastic voyage well that's Dr. the Doolittle, thing the, the, silent green and then mandingo the, the actual description <laughs> of the crap. film richard the de- fleischer the description of the film on the on the website is like this is the most realistic depiction of slavery you'll ever encounter mm-hmm. and I guess they tried to make it brutal. I mean, this is not a spoiler. If you've never seen this, I'm, I'm helping you here so you know what to look out for. The film ends with Mandingo being shot to death by his, actually not quite shot to death, almost shot to death by his owner because he he'd fucked his wife. Um, and when he's falling, he falls into this cauldron of hot boiling water mm-hmm. and his owner actually cooks him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, pours his remains out onto the the ground where he buried his white wife, who he, of course, poisoned and killed in a very touching moment because she had been sullied because she'd slept with Mandingo multiple Holy times. Holy yeah. shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, they also killed the baby, the baby that she had with Mandingo, because you can't let it live. You have to murder it. So there's some infanticide as well. It is gross. It is bad. And watching Don't it, watch Mandingo. In watching it, did it's you get some different like callbacks uh, from the Tarantino movie? Like, were there no or like call forwards? Well, I, are I there? Know. Should there? Are they in there? I mean, that's kind of he. He made a uh, 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 basically Django slavery, Unchanged. Django Unchained. It yeah, made different a revenge fantasy that like rewrote there is no history. Revenge. Yeah, there's no revenge in in Mandingo. No, but like, but he. I would assume yeah. that he would have played with those kind of movies uh-huh. as a way to subvert and ultimately like smite them. There, there may have been some of that. I suppose that I wasn't watching it okay. carefully enough to, to find any of that in there. And it's just, it's so jarring because the characters who are these black victim characters, there was so, they are so flat and one dimensional that they're just boring. 
they have all of two or three lines and all of the action is happening on the part of the slave owners. I think that's the, one of the, I mean, Moynihan, you're maybe you're not quite old enough to have remembered Roots in real time. Uh, not in real time. No. It was a, it was such an amazing thing. Like the, we yeah. had it at my school and they had it on film strip, legitimately film strip. I remember that. The Which, entire change into the frame of, yeah. of, of, um, Kunta Kinte and then like another frame of him like running. And I played with like a butterfly net on them. I was like, "Wait, what?" There's what a happened here? thousand uh, well-known problems with the uh, the net in there yeah. with the uh, Alex Haley uh, yeah yeah book to begin with yeah. Um, but as a television uh, event, it uh, like no one had ever watched as much that before. Like everybody wanted to be, and and the yeah. victory of it or the success of it was precisely to um, show. Uh, characters who had they're all you know huge backstory right. and right. their own interest like, I, I really like chicken george mm-hmm. over here or I, I really like kizzy over here or i like kunta for this reason or or older uh kunta kinte was played by the guy from uh good times um and like they were totally flesh and blood understandable uh people that we would all identify with on the playground without thinking twice about it and I don't think that really had been done in, yeah. in movies up until that point. So, like, even with all the problems of it, um, it was amazing, like, depiction of all of these people as fully realized human beings in, mm-hmm. in a crap situation and how they dealt with it. And it was, it was yeah. phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, that's where you get uh, – I just called this up to see the numbers, but that's what used to have. You know, this is the great pre-internet thing of that people who didn't get – history through books that weren't readers, you know, just sort of average person, mm, mm. which is precisely why. And it comes up a lot that, you know, that the idea of the Kennedy assassination is almost in the public consciousness mirrors the insane fever dream of Oliver Stone. Sure. Uh, and the other one I was thinking of was 1978, a uh, Holocaust, the four part series with Meryl Streep, um, which in, it basically changed what we called the Holocaust to the Holocaust. I mm. mean, really? Pretty, yeah. It's, I mean, more there's, a couple in it, in it broadcast in Germany, which was like a, a big event too. Um, there's a number of weird things about it. And um, the one that I always remember is that Elie Wiesel hated it, but it was like very, it was like tens of millions um, of people saw it and watched it. It was like a big television event. And you know, it was the same thing. It was true also with things like um, war and remembrance. Do you remember that? Yeah, sure. It was, it was uh, the early, the, the first like half dozen big, um, uh, a miniseries that they used to call them. Yeah. So Roots, The Thorn Birds. Thorn Birds with uh, Richard, <laughs> Richard. Richard uh, Benjamin was in all of them. No, not Richard Benjamin. It was Richard, uh, what's his name? The guy who turned out to be gay, which was, no, he was like the been... the main character, not yeah, yeah, yeah. in the thing. He always had a beard. He looked like... Um, Richard, uh, yeah, I, but he was the, and, and I, I just like so many <laughs> listeners because they're all nerds. Like it's Richard and they're mad at me right now. Um, but the sword- Spe- Speaking of which, those bastards like trying to pronunciation shame uh, me about Devin Nunes. Well, they should. <laughs> no, but you guys did in real time. You're like, Matt, you're pronouncing it I wrong. And I, and was, I said, I, I don't care. It and they're like, you. I hate to be pedantic, Matt, yeah. but it's actually Nunes because yeah. of his, por- his 75% Portuguese back. <laughs> not you know, that, you know, not where, that there's you any know difference. I um, found out how to pronounce it from him. <laughs> well, he just mentions it. No, it's Richard Chamberlain. Chamberlain, right. um, who is, uh, who uh, Chamberlain? came out later uh, in his life. Um, yeah, he was he was like the king of the because uh, yeah, he was in Shogun too. Shogun, which was, uh, the, Shogun the was like Cunningham. the second one, and yeah. Thornbirds was like the Warden Remembrances around there. They yeah, had- Shogun uh, it was uh, eighty. Thornbirds was eighty three. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that, that those kind of big miniseries, and also like using that 
as history. I mean, people say, you know, the lies my teacher told me, you know, there's books like this and the yeah. Howard Zinn stuff. Somebody wrote me an email, which I'll probably get to. They said, Hey, talk about Howard Zinn. I'm just reading this book by this woman. And, um, and uh, I sent them back a piece that I wrote for reason when, when Howard Zinn died. But uh, people mistake that this idea that all the false history that we were taught uh, came from history books. I mean, some of it did, of mm -hmm, course. There's sure. a lot of bad history in those books because you're just put, trying to put a smile on kids' faces and not tell them all the bad stuff. Um, it wasn't necessarily an imperialist project, but I think more than anything, it comes from films. Yeah. I mean, that's where you get, I and, mean, D, like The Longest Day is where you get to know about D-Day, Battle of the Bulge, you know, all the stuff you find out about... Um, you know, World War II comes from those uh, wonder, back to Bataan. You, know, you mentioned like uh, uh, Shogun. I think, isn't that a James Michener? James Clavel. I James think. Clavel. He's Clavel. Yeah. But Michener is also responsible for a lot of this, of these this miniseries, right? It's this back when we still had yeah. mm -hmm. three to six channels, depending on where you lived. And so the miniseries, the, you know, the original Netflix series, um, you had to wait around for it. And Michener's books... They, you know, Centennial, which is an 800 page book, uh, which is also a great miniseries. I forget who the, the main uh, star was of it, but it's great. Um, starts off with like a 200 page exposition of the you know, the history of tectonic plates. I mean, it's yeah. it is super dense uh, expositional history. So I wonder, like, how much of, you know, he was big books about Hawaii. Right? Actually, wrote a very good smaller book about 1956 uh, uh, uprising in Hungary. Um, and that uh, uh, was responsible for a lot of people being attracted to that cause back then. Um, but I wonder how many people, because of Michener, who was himself very popular, but specifically because of the books uh, being translated into miniseries, that was their history. Like my history probably hmm. of the settling of the West is yeah, it's probably 32% centennial watching that on TV when I was like 13 years old because mm -hmm. like it was – Great. The the other controversial uh, person. Um, I mean, look, it's it's not people didn't really think about it. it's controversial at the time. But you go back to the books, and particularly Exodus is Leon Uris, oh, which yeah. is oh, yeah. also considered somebody who was setting kind of the idea of particularly Israel in the Middle East. Um, these books that were entertainment books, but they are, of course going to have the have the um, idea of the of the author in them. I actually met someone the other day. And I can't be specific about this, but it's, I'll tell you after. It's amazing. Uh, and we were talking and she was pretty interesting and had bizarro ideas and like was like, wow, this is somebody that's really on the Trump train. Um, and um, I realized later that her father was an insanely famous Hollywood person. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I thought about it. and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that person. And I realized that that was the one person. <laughs> They're paying for this, Michael. Yeah, I can't do that to her. <laughs> Because I got to see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, if I get blocked, yeah, yeah, I'll talk all about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, and it's so funny because we were talking about that universe and about Hollywood and politics. And it's, 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 it's funny because all of these things like um, FOA, you know that, Friends of Abe. Oh, God. The sort of conservative thing. Oh, by the way, the uh, friend of mine told me um, a story about meeting a guy at Friends of Abe in New York at one of these meetings and bombing down the West side high as a journalist who, you know, um, uh, West side high is like really nice, fast car and him pulling over and like, um, like peeing in the wheel. Well, like in the middle of Manhattan and then getting up. And I think he was drinking. Um, and that man just died. Danny Aiello was apparently, oh my God. Was apparently a, a friends friend of Abe, a uh, guy and, uh, something of a conservative friends of Abe for, the, for all of you listening and saying what, um, it's this group in Hollywood, 
Uh, Andrew Breitbart used to be part of it. Um, but people who basically live and work in Hollywood and are, are run by Gary Sinise and they're miffed um, by not being able to talk openly about their politics or, or, or at least believing that that is true. Um, so it's basically center right type people. Yeah. Who yeah. Gather. Yeah. It's definitely a righty organization in Hollywood. And, um, you know, I think there's some truth to what they say. I think it's a lot overdrawn and in, in other ways, if you have kind of heterodox views then people, I mean, if you're good enough, people don't really care. You make money. No one cares. I mean, if you think of somebody who is crazy conservative and still alive mm-hmm. and who made, there's a documentary about him and it's like Steven Spielberg's in it. And, and uh, uh, what's the reference for Cor- Coppola is uh, John Milius, uh, who right. who wrote um, uh, what's it called? Apocalypse Now. Uh, it directed wrote Red Dawn, which was his. But he was like a right winger, and like people were like, I oh, used to c- come around with like shotguns, and he was like just a sort of crazy character. But he was like a funny crazy character, and mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's a bit off. I mean, if if. He were Clint, making Clint Eastwood. Uh, Eastwood still makes pictures, yeah, although yeah. this one didn't bombed. Bombed. It's currently bombing. bombing. Well, it's also. By the way, let's talk about that for a second. Does anyone follow this controversy about about bit. Olivia Wilde's? Uh, who- I, I only saw the controversy when I've seen since I've seen the coverage of the film bombing. I, I suspect that that's we should probably use the word not bombing the in, this, in this context. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Language. Uh, Language. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Partly because I had to recall what the film is about, which yeah. I think that's the reason the film hasn't done particularly well. Like the, yeah. the whole landscape of major motion pictures has changed so much. Yeah. I don't even know where you're supposed to run ads for that kind of shit at this point. I don't know. According like, to my Twitter it? feed, it's like, it's Twitter, right? Like, you know, Twitter is all these stupid ads that are playing all the time. That yeah. one got over indexed to me so much more than anything else. Like I, it I couldn't did not. It. It, it barely touched my radar. Right. Um, so All those Eric Rudolph searches you're making, yeah. I guess. Yeah, might do it. <laughs> but the, the controversy is essentially, mm-hmm. um, and this is, there's so much in this controversy. It seems like a, uh, one of these non-troversy kind of things, but it speaks to a lot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Olivia Wilde plays a journalist from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, based right. on her own character, who sleeps with a source to get the info that she needs, right? Mm-hmm. Olivia Wilde didn't find this wildly offensive there you go i was gonna say that without her last name being wild um but again remember that she is a coburn people tend to forget this you remember, you know that right olivia wilde is a coburn yeah yeah as in cockburn yeah yeah you didn't know that no yeah 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 keep going yeah so uh yeah it's uh um, in the family one of, of the brothers of alexander alexander and, coburn she comes Patrick. from uh, Patrick and uh, her grandfather was Claude Coburn, the famous communist uh, journalist in in uh, England. Hmm. Uh, so she's a Coburn. So that's that's her that's her lineage. Um, and the one time that I met her was in a political context that was nothing to do with like Hollywood or running into somebody at a party hmm. or something. Um, so uh, she's very political, and obviously now is speaking out, um, basically backing up the people. This thing that she never noticed before, and. The reason people are going at it so hard is because, number one, it's about journalists. If it was about anybody else, it was like somebody from the water company slept to get, like, you know, their water turned back on. Nobody cares. But as a journalist, how dare you? This is a sacred craft that mm-hmm. we're engaged in all these, like, self-righteous journalists. Um, but it's also because, like, you know, it's Clint Eastwood. And this is allegorical, this movie, for, for um, 
uh, he's a MAGA guy, and this is about fake news. And like, I, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really say, but what I've read about this, it just seems like something you put in a movie because y- you get upset. Why, why are people getting upset? It's like, well, that's not how it happened. Uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution is thinking of suing them and all this stuff. It's like, well, that's not how Dunkirk happened. Yeah. It's not how, it, like, historical movies don't, they add things for dramatic purposes. There was a love story in, in Pearl Harbor, which was one of the worst movies that was ever made. But people want to say like that. Actually, those the guy who's the pilot got shot down was not involved in this sort of. Although, I mean, the, the subtext of the story is that, rightly so, journalists got this story so wrong. Totally true. And it's egregious what they did to this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's so egregious that it's going to be the subject and the name of the movie. So it's a weird movie to put a you know, minor egregious. Well, it's based on a true story. I mean, these things are always, I mean, to develop characters, you have to have tension. You have to have some like mm-hmm. intrigue. And it's this, otherwise it's just journalists sucked, but doesn't, and they, they did, but doesn't the dynamic, it, if the dynamic is, as I understand it, that she is said to have had this affair and they use her actual name, but the person with whom she is said to have had the affair, they change that person's name for the purposes of the film. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Is that a little more no. egregious? Should they have changed her name the, 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 as well? Well, I'm, look, the thing about this is, I mean, there's a couple of things. Is one is that is that I would would not do that, and I would uh. I wouldn't do that. You know, in all the movies that I see that are historically based and not very good, yeah, and they play fast and loose with the facts. I mean, that's literally every movie you see that has like a historical, yeah, absolutely. you know, uh, core to yeah. it, and they they make a big deal they, about that, right? And so when you do see a movie. Like I think it's the Sam Mendes movie, 1917, that's coming out, and and apparently it's very, very good, and a lot of people have I, seen I've it. Heard, yeah, yeah, and it's like it it's really usually accurate. said like it's so accurate, right? Because 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 the default is it's never very accurate, and uh-huh. they take liberties. <laughs> so I wouldn't have done that, but I just it, my problem is not that so much. It's just the absolute outrage, and like Atlanta Journal Constitution is going to sue. Um, and journalists uh, are appreciating suing somebody for their art. Because, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a weird situation because it's like anytime journalists, particularly now, um, are sort of mow-mowed by somebody in the entertainment industry, it's like, look, the the Hollywood is, is, is giving short shrift and being unfair to everybody at all times. And I asked somebody, and I got a couple of actually good emails about this in an episode probably a couple months ago, three, four months ago, when I said, I asked if anyone knew what a film was where... Journalists were the bad guys. They're always the sort of heroic people that come in. And there's a couple, but it doesn't happen. I mean, they're always the good guys. So it, it's kind of subverting that. And it's, I don't even think it, I haven't seen it again. So it's really unfair to me to say anything and I discount most of this. But it, it's not even clear to me that she's a bad person in this. It's just like she slept with somebody and blah, blah, blah. It's also like um, the trope has been with us for a while. It's been yeah. in a lot of movies. Uh, I think yeah. there's a Drew Barrymore, like, the one where she is a journalist who goes back to school. She's a journalist school. in a movie. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and that I, movie was ET. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen. There's been like four or five movies in which the female journalist stoofs the source at some point or yeah. or, or something. I love and, when you just create <laughs> words for sex when she points something. <laughs> <laughs> I love the skinkle. 
weirdly you sound like our priest. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because he like hangs. Matt is called a synagogue. <laughs> no, it's weird. No, he, he hangs out with uh, with Orthodox Jews all the time because he finds them funny and he does impersonations. I Orthodox guy said hi to me today. Yeah. First time it's ever happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe he wasn't we're... trying to make you the no, Shabbos going. No, on Sunday it's uh, huh. you hear the uh, the siren go off and it's. it's I over. always end up having conversations with the. Uh, In what context? I'm just walking around. Really? Yeah. They well, hasn't gone. Really? No, great day. Yeah, it's a great day. Because it's funny because I like ask me questions about things. Like I was riding a Revel. It's like, how do you like that? This is one of those really? rental scooters. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I'm just approachable. People like me. Interesting. I, you yeah. know, it's not you that I think is the approachable thing. I, oh. There's a, there's a, there's a thing within the Hasidic community where they don't really talk to, to anybody outside of it. Talk to me. Really? Yeah. That's wow. Because notoriously there's a little bit of tension. The between, Hasid whisperer. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Apparently. Cause that's a, that's a notorious, I remember the Michael Lerner, Rabbi Michael Lerner and Cornell West book, mm. Blacks and Jews. No, uh, in the nineties, that was a big thing. Do you remember that? That sounds great. Don't you remember the thing that I was there was gone in the nineties? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, you were living in countries that actually executed the Holocaust. I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were having uh, this thing in the nineties that was a very big thing between blacks and Jews. It was it was always subjects of like talk shows and like how do we bridge this gap? And mm. you remember the Yankel Rosenbaum case, the the rabbinical student from Australia that hit and killed. A young uh, black kid, I believe, in Crown Heights, and it kicked off some riots and some anti-Semitic stuff that happened afterwards. And it was a lot of this back and forth. And of course, Nation of Islam was filling up stadiums at the time. I mean, I saw Louis Farrakhan speak at my university, which I couldn't imagine. I mean, did you? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mean to, to step on your toes here, oh, but since we didn't really talk about it that much in the last uh, uh, regular episode, um, it's. Strange to me, given that backdrop, and I and I do remember that the eighties, nineties, black Jewish thing, New York, that yep. just was like it. It was in in the mix. Anti-Semitism and hip hop. There was a lot of that. I remember reading an article in the mm-hmm. Source, and I can't remember if it was the. I don't want to slander anyone. It might have been the guys from the second iteration of Brand Nubian that hmm. were, were saying things about. Just, I remember it very clearly and saying just so much. Uh, very strange. Professor Griff everywhere. Professor Griff, who is uh, extreme anti-Semite and, and and is to this day. But like we are in the midst of like the second year now or, or thereabouts of a wave. I think that that's now demonstrated of anti-Jewish violence in New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Like it's, it's not just a blip statistically it, things yeah. are happening here. And I, I presume, and maybe this is racist on me that some of it, it's from black people. Some of it, not, I don't know. I, maybe it's a lot of Muslims. That is so far as I can tell, I don't know that anyone is reporting on that particular dynamic. Because why would you ever do that unless you wanted to commit career suicide? When I actually look into these incidents, like often, frequently, like when there's footage yeah. of someone drawing the swastika backwards or something or destroying a window in a synagogue, like oftentimes it's young black kids. Well, it happened here recently. There was some in this very neighborhood. There was a guy hit with a brick, I think. Jeez. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's also quite easy because they're so identifiable. Right. I mean, you go to the Upper West Side and you're like, oh, that guy's Italian. It's like, I don't know. It could be Jewish. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these guys, they're, 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 you know, Hasidic guys, then they dress uh, one particular way. And, Des- and describe and to the people who don't live here, since you're in the midst of Williamsburg, uh, what that looks like. Cause it's, it's, it's striking. It's visually. striking. Yeah. I mean, you, it's an interesting thing because I don't think people realize this or talk about it very much. And you have little kind of pockets of it in certain cities where I live. 
when you drive in like from Bed-Stuy, from Bedford-Stuyvesant, um, which used to be almost exclusively black neighborhood. I mm-hmm. mean, it was Spike Lee's first m- short movie was called Joe's Bed-Stuy Barbershop. And mm-hmm. you know, Bed-Stuy was this kind of place to do the right thing was set in Bed-Stuy. It now has been, to use a silly word, gentrified. It's a mm-hmm. very mixed neighborhood now. I looked at a house on the on the principal block where that was. Where that was shot. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably like $9 million now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, it's yep. changed a lot. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's beautiful brownstones. That's why people moved in there. And when you cross the kind of border into South Williamsburg, it is, it is astonishing. I mean, it is, there's nothing for miles in every direction, Mm -hmm. but Hasidic people, Hasidic shops, Hasidic grocery stores. If you go into a grocery store in the corner, um, sometimes it's the one that's open. I go in there. I don't know any of the products, none, zero, none of them. Most of them are manufactured in the United States, manufactured in New York, manufactured in Long Island, mm-hmm. uh, New Jersey, etc. You look at the labels. They're entirely in Hebrew and everything's kosher. Obviously there's a sea town, which is a, a chain of really bad grocery stores, but there's a Hasidic sea town, which has only, uh, which is a block from us here on, hmm. on division. Oh, I just gave away my address. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's right around the corner. And um, everywhere you go, it's when you get closer to here, which is more to where, you know, kind of rich, was now rich, kind of used to be hipstery Williamsburg is, you see a little more integration. But there's parts of it that's just nothing but Hasidim. And it's, it's, and it's dudes it, walking down the street. Ooh, big, big black hats. Yeah, they're fur. They're, they look like my, my daughter called it the hockey puck. Uh, She's a little big hockey and puck. Well, the, the fur is only for like special events, though. Right? It is, but it's all weekend. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for oh, yes. Shabbat, you Sabbath. see it. Yeah, yeah. So you see it all the time. And they've got beards and big curly bits coming down from yeah, their the, ears. The payas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called the payas. Uh, yeah. And they're usually walking alone or with other men and not with women. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, More often than not. Yeah. Can't convert with the women before on a rainy day as Camille and I know um, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll put, they put, they put a, they put a, plastic, a, a yeah. little plastic lampshade looking thing on top of the big hat. Yeah. 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 That over the, over the hat. And then, yeah, it's like, it's just put it this way. It's, it, it just noticeably, um, Look, you can get upset about this word, but it's noticeably alien. It doesn't, it, yes. it's not what you see yeah. in America. Yeah. Like if, and, and I don't mean that in any way of, of sort of immigrants, right? You go to the old Puerto Rican neighborhoods, it's just like, yeah, a lot of stuff in Spanish. Mm-hmm. People are speaking Spanglish. It's like half and half. And there's like, you no, know, it's like an Amish pocket. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but there's no interaction. Um, and when you go into a store that's like, you know, a, a small grocery store or like, you know, place that's selling, um, you know, fruit and vegetables and stuff, there's little stands and stuff. It's, you do not feel welcome there. And it might be myself and it might not be them at all. It might be the kind of way I, I'm just so out of place. It's so jarring. It's, I mean, if I go into a neighborhood that's all black and I go in somewhere, I don't, I don't think twice about it. I don't think twice about it at all. Particularly because the other, the other end of that is also so common. Like when you're like a black guy that lives in the neighborhood, it's all black. You go other parts of the city, it's all white people. It's just like, it happens, you know? It's this, whereas the, everything stays within the community here. And there's a very good documentary that Netflix produced called One of Us, which I think I might have mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, about people trying to leave uh, the city community. And they, they have essentially like, a network where you can contact uh, to get out because it's very difficult and they make your life very difficult if you try to leave. And it is, you know, it's funny because, you know, you think of Islam and, and, and this type of Judaism, et cetera. And there's the similarities are astonishing. Women are covering their hair, uh, wearing wigs, uh, like their legs, the, the girls after age, like 11 ish, sorry. Uh, or, or thereabouts, you could see the difference down at the, you know, Brooklyn bridge park. Yeah. Um, when they're eight year old girls are like, 
jumping around in bathing suits. Yeah. And if they get to a certain age, they have Covered. stockings yeah. on. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of pork prohibitions. There's a lot of, there's like, I mean, leaving, like, like apostasy is uh, not, is frowned upon in this, in the community. It's not something that I know a ton about beyond living amongst people, but it's just weird. It's just a part of the scenery. And I think it's really funny that my daughter is growing up in this neighborhood, which is, it's totally common to her to see people who just, um, don't speak that are her age who don't speak English, um, to her at all. Um, and it's, it's just kids speaking Hebrew and like, you know, Spanish speaking kids in her school and everything. They all speak English and Spanish and it's like, they pick it up from television, but it's a very insular community where I, I don't suspect they're, you know, speaking one language and then watching Saturday morning cartoons and picking up another one. It's yeah. a very weird, it's a very weird thing. And like, you mentioned the I'm Muslim, fascinated by it. you mentioned the Muslim thing. There's actually some pretty interesting, um, parallels because people remember when everyone's worried about Sharia law coming yeah, into yeah, America yeah, yeah, like yeah. 10 years ago or so yeah. it was around the time of the nine 11 mosque. It was really, it was dumb then yeah. all these, you know, Arkansas passed an or Oklahoma passed an anti-Sharia law thing. We're going to stop it at, at yeah. its root at water's edge <laughs> in the middle of the country, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma yeah. city. Um, but one of the complaints that people would uh, sort of cherry pick to have was that my God, they're coming up with their own courts and their own system to adjudicate things and these types of things. And some of that was, a little bit true and uh when kathy it's true in the uk yeah and, yeah, and when kathy yeah. young wrote about it uh, for reason um one of the things that she pointed out is like yes it's true and it's especially true among those famous muslims known as um orthodox jews like have yeah. their own court systems i yes. mean it's and, and it's not like, totally separate by the way um you see all the time um uh, ambulances so if you hear the ambulance going and you'll see uh, fully uh, uh, Hebrew uh, ambulance, uh, like all, all everything on it's in Hebrew, and the people who hop out uh, to attend to people are uh, they're they're dressed. It's they're like a, people. Uh, it's just it's, it's like a pragmatic religious federalism. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. For no, I find it fascinating. I have no and, issue with it. And, and the other thing that I uh, am always intrigued by is so I don't know if, if Williamsburg is the is the hot uh, uh, core of it, maybe Crown Heights, or but it's around here. So of all of uh, heavily Jewish neighborhoods in the United States, by far, this is the poorest. It's not even close. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you can see that too. And it's funny. Uh, um, you know, it, it's, I, I thought it was a very funny joke that uh, in the, um, in the, uh, this movie with Will Ferrell and Biggie's son, Christopher Wallace, what's his name? This is also Christopher. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was called, uh, yeah. I can't remember. It's like everything must go. I think it was called. Uh -huh. Yep. And I remember in the trailer is a very funny joke where he's like encouraging the kid to play soccer. Mm -hmm. And he's like, black people don't play soccer. And Will Ferrell's character's response is whole continents of black people play soccer. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's so funny of like, you know, uh, hilarious, uh, and, and, and usually very, um, sort of the negative effects of stereotypes, particularly ones. And, and also, by the way, it's true when you talk about um, black exploitation films and the relationship with blacks and Jews, it often came through Hollywood. We're saying Jews on Hollywood, Hollywood's unfair to black people. Mm -hmm. And that was that you, you see that in a lot of old like nation of Islam stuffs, stuff that like the secret relationship of blacks and Jews between blacks and Jews, which is a nation of Islam book that said, Jews were radically, this is totally false, by the way, radically disproportionately represented in the slave trade and elements of the slave trade. And um, yeah, no, so I, it, it's funny when you, like, people think, oh, the Jews, rich, you know, this, that, and the other, the 2%, but they take over this. 
it's like no 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 like there's whole continents of poor Jews. <laughs> it's like they say come in, they're just not they're not wealthy people. But they and do keep even. it within within the community. So there's a huge thing now of buying property that have been very, very good because when you're insular in a community, you end up passing everything through your own hands, right? So all these buildings around here owned by the people in the neighborhood. And when the neighborhood became going a little hipster, mm-hmm. those places on the kind of, that were bleeding out into the, the kind of cool parts of the neighborhood, which is the building I'm in right now, is mm-hmm. owned by Hasidic. It's, it's like no houses living here. But if you notice behind you, I have two sinks. I do not have a dishwasher. And it is in my, it is in my lease that I cannot have a dishwasher. Didn't and notice that. That bo- is funny. Wow. Two sinks. Because uh, despite the fact that they're building this, to kind of take advantage of who's p- coming to the neighbor. They, they still build, build it to the specifications of their own religion, which means you have a kosher sink and a non-kosher sink. Wow. And the reason you don't have a dishwasher is because you can't, you have to have two dishwashers. You can't have uh, one that, that has, has, uh, uh, um, you know, or meat and, and dairy and things uh-huh. like that. So it's like, that's the kosher. It's not kosher, non-kosher. It's kosher because everything's kosher. It's kosher rules. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I live, it's in my apartment. Do huh. you keep your sinks? Kosher. I keep kosher now, just because it's easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am actually converting to Judaism. I'm like this the Rod Carew of this neighborhood. <laughs> that circumcision is going to be so much fun for you. Yeah, yeah I've been yeah. having brisses all the time. <laughs> A briss for everybody. Do we have some more um, listener mail that we can throw at Camille since we he do. wasn't here last week? Oh, we do. Boy. Well, I'll tell you what. As I... As I bring this up, I'm sorry. I'll let you bring that up. And I'll tell you, I looked up Boss Nigger on um, Amazon. Thank you. And... Is it, you, is it an ER or is it an you A? believe it? ER. Okay. Yeah. Boss nigga. Thanks. Um, Thanks. It, if you haven't listened to the theme song for that film, like you should find it. Yeah, I don't And listen to, to it. It's okay. so great. Black man and a white man. Town. He's got trouble. I'm going to... Oh, man. I want to go in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He's black. Bad. Make love if he has the time. <laughs> oh, he's bad. <laughs> Super bad. The best thing is if he oh has time. God. If he has the time. So busy. He's busy. Yeah. I got some fucking to do, but I'm He's busy. Bad. I don't know. I mean, I prioritize that over everything. Oh so that's gosh. a different. Yeah. He's so bad. They call him boss. He's uh, a boss, boss nigger. But on Amazon, you can still see the listing for boss nigger and you can get some used copies of boss nigger. But if you want a new one and you want it with prime, you're going to be buying a film still stars the same characters just called boss. No. New box art. Really? Offensive. Seriously. Offensive. Wow. You can still see boss. I mean, you search boss nigga, you'll see the box art there. It's much it's better. It's called boss now? Yeah, but they've got a yeah, new copy. So that makes boss baby seem all different <laughs> to me all of a sudden. <laughs> I wonder I wonder um yeah. I wonder what uh oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, it's sad. But what do you, what do, what do they do with so Dick, America's what, changing? What, what would they do with Dick Gregory's book? Uh huh. The book, the book with no name. Neither, yeah, neither. Yeah, yeah. Would call well, it. Remember, remember Dick Gregory said about that. It was a funny joke, actually. No, what he said to his, he said his mother said, "Why would you oh, call yeah, your book yeah, that?" Yeah. And she said, "He said, well, you know, and every when every time somebody uses it, it's like encourages a book sale." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, "That's my book. It's the title of my book." Um, well, I'll tell you this: as a guy that we um, mentioned before, and I, I butchered the pronunciation of his Irish name, and the end of the newest uh, message he sent said. P.S. Please do not Google the pronunciation. So oh, yes. I think he was appreciating the fact that I am I am um, um, just molesting this in this way <laughs> that would make Michael Jackson envious. Uh, this is uh, he said he went ahead and made the first volume 
of a collected rants from the first 52 episodes. Mm-hmm. So he suggested in the previous, we talked about this in the previous uh, special dispatch that um, he wanted to make a greatest hits uh, compilation of certain things. And I said, yeah, go ahead. That'd mm-hmm. be great. And uh, he, he's done so. And he's sent us a link of a file, which mm-hmm. I will, I will clean up and put into our format and put up for our listeners because um, we encourage, or I encourage, I suppose you guys too. Uh, Why not? User uh, created content. Oh my God. Because yes. it is like, it is like people in bands well, saying, Hey, please remix our stuff within, within reason. I don't want what? you to remix it. I'm, I'm happy with you exerting things, but you could take it and make me I'm say not, things that I, I just want to say. Do I just that. want you to be careful. If you want to do now. a special cut of just Camille saying the N word over the yeah. N word. <laughs> Actually, if good. you wanted to do a special cut of grown ass men saying N word, that would oh, be wow. entertaining to yeah. me. Oh my god! It just so, like such this contempt. word, n word, n word, n word, n word. It is. By the way, Camille, do you do understand uh-huh. that you know? We I remember we had this conversation mm-hmm. about how uh, um, uh, it was on a special dispatch about about heroism being being something that's yeah yeah kind of difficult yeah. Um, that applies to this. Yes. Uh, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I do. I've, I've but let me tell you something. It. I don't want on tape me saying that word anywhere <laughs> in the era of the fucking deep fake. No, listen. As I said, I know that what I'm asking for is too much. Too much. That said, I won't stop ridiculing people for abiding by what has become. But we're your the, friends. Could you stop ripping on us? I, I can't. I can't. It's, it's, it's it necessary. Home, yeah, it's necessary. Yeah. yeah. You know, God, you're like, it's bit, perhaps Joan it's a bit of a performance relationship. Art. I want you to do it, but I don't really want you to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want you guys to yeah. suffer the consequences. Someone yeah. else will be brave. Fisher. Yeah. 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 Someone else oh, will be brave. Oh, he says it without Camille. Yeah. He just That's all true. effing and blind and all <laughs> yeah. the time. But so he made a super cut um, and uh, a very nice note that uh, uh, with it. And I think because we have, everyone's going to, this is the, the, the crappy things about doing stuff like podcasts. <laughs> And when you have dedicated and lovely listeners like ours is that we're all taking vacation, of course, mm-hmm. around Christmas and New Year's and we just chill and everything. And that's the time that I always want to listen to podcasts. I like, uh-huh. you know, so um, we're going to try to put up some stuff for you during that time. This will be one of them. Yes. And this was not cut by us. And I will do a little preamble to it, I suppose, be- yeah. before I put it up. But uh, we really appreciate it. Um, and as Camille said, if you are in the business of remixing our stuff, make sure you do it yeah. uh, in a way that Come isn't on, uh, difficult. Well, or, this, uh, this, is, this is quite good. I listened to the whole thing today and it was like being trapped in a wonderful time machine. I, I'd forgotten certainly some of the segments. It was a lot of fun. Um, Who comes out um, looking the best? I mean, it's all, it's all greatness. Yeah. I, I, if I had to guess, Matt, I think you probably have the most features no. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, true. Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, a lot of rants. I get wound up. You get wound up. Yeah. yeah. You get wound up. Start smacking the table. Yeah. Yo, it's a lot of table no, smacking. It's, it's you just call it smacking the table. <laughs> <laughs> what do you listen to? Oh, smacking the table. It's amazing. I love this record. Uh, no, well, it's good. Euphemism. It, so that's only the first third of our run. So. First third. Yeah. Yeah. The first third. Um, in these uh, batch of messages, I have so many. And, and, and by the way, if I haven't gotten back to you, um, or one of us hasn't gotten back to you. Um, mm-hmm. I will, I will, I will try. It's, there's a lot. Um, and it's a lot to get to. And as we've said a long, long time ago, it's, it, it, you want to take a certain amount of care with it and like actually answer people's questions and everything, not just be like, you know, write it on your phone and, and, mm-hmm. and it's easy to do. Thanks. But, great. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, um, um, here's one. Uh, I didn't even, I haven't seen this one. This is, you got him, James. 
Uh, good evening. Like an, you know, it <laughs> starts uh, like a Vincent Price movie. Uh, <laughs> can you guys please suggest books you found in- interesting related to Israel? Hmm. Books related to the conflict, society, economy, or history would be great. And I know this is not necessarily a conflict that you guys are uh, super into. Uh, we don't talk about it much here, do we? No, no I think deliberately. I think so. Fish uh, sometimes uh, pinch hits pretty pretty well on that. Israeli uh, wife, yeah, 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 and goes to mm-hmm. Israel and family and the rest of it, and right. like uh, is able to stick it sh- his chin out in a way that I am uh, not, or just, and it's not like it's not the it's not the religion thing. Actually, it's more just the like political stuff. It's yeah. it's that people who pay attention to this pay attention to this at a level that is so deep and profound that I know I'm sure. going to make mistakes and look totally ridiculous doing it, and it disincentivizes one from getting into it. Uh, of course, I mean, there's there are. You know, it, it, people are like, oh, there's a Zion, you're only recommending Zionist books, which I hate as a category, by the way, because um, I don't, I, I have many problems with that, that, that framing of it. Um, and look, I, I, I try to get both sides on this and I've read a lot on it. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think that the, the, I'm, I'll probably get attacked for this, but I think the Palestinian stuff um, that is very kind of political and, and giving a sort of sympathetic uh, hearing to Palestinians is oftentimes a lot more political than than I would like it to be. And it's kind of, I, I don't think these famous kind of stories like the people like uh, Edward Said, who, you know, is Palestinian, I mean, Orientalism is not necessarily, is, is not a book about the conflict in the Middle East, it's about how people covered it. And it's a book that has, I think, been been sort of roundly debunked by anyone who's actually taken the time to, to go through it. And there's a couple of very good books, um, one called uh, The Lust for Knowledge, uh, which is a kind of refutation of, of Orientalism by a British Orientalist, um, which is not you know, a phrase they use very much anymore, but that's essentially what he is. But I would say that I think the people, the, the person who I found very interesting was somebody who was one of these new historians, which was a class of Israeli historians were, that were uh, left-wing and kind of, you know, reimagining the 1948 founding of Israel and the 48 war and the war of independence. One of those people that I find very, very interesting is like that he's kind of come back, but he still has a lot of those, those um, elements of the old version of himself is a guy named Benny Morris and Benny Morris wrote a book called 1948, which is, um, which is quite good about the, the, the war that created Israel. Um, And not the founding of Israel was, was followed by a war, of course, not of their choosing. And, um, and, you know, he did another one called, uh, about uh, the two-state solution. Uh, I guess it's called One State, Two State, something like that. But it's it's a very, very good book, too. And, you know, look, I, I, the most controversial thing I can say is that I thought it was a ripper and great book, um, which became very controversial because he was not somebody that I thought of as political, but became, uh, gave up his American citizenship, Michael Oren, uh, and who became the ambassador of the United States for Israel mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, the, in the Likud government. And uh, wrote uh, a very good book on the Six Day War, and and that was going to be my sole recommendation. It's great. It's a great yeah. book. Look, I mean, there's 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 um, you know, I mean, look, know what you're getting into with these things, right? Read the other side. Read all the stuff because it's not, but the stuff that's really silly and like, like so kind of phony is people like Joan Peters, whose book was was very very heavily attacked by people on the left, and I think rightfully so. Um, called From Time Memorial, which is a, a not a worthwhile book. Uh, like Alan Dershowitz's books on Israel, I don't think are worthwhile books. 
Um, there's a guy, there's an academic guy named Ephraim Karsh, who's very sort of pro-Israel, if that can be the phrase that we use, who I don't find terribly reliable, but I think people would get upset about that. Um, but it's very kind of from one, one direction. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good, I mean, I have other recommendations here. A couple of recent great books about, by Israeli, uh, uh, journalists and historians, Avi Isharoff, who I had the, the, the great pleasure of meeting when I was in Israel, um, wrote a book about the war in Lebanon and has written and is like, I don't know where he's coming. His great sources in, in, uh, Gaza and amongst Hamas, they respect him. And, you know, he's a great guy to get both sides of the story. And there's been a, a couple of very, very good ones about, um, Israeli intelligence and about Mossad. And those are always fascinating. The one thing I would say, stay away from is one of the worst books I've ever read. Um, which is a, a, a pile of garbage is a book about um, Israel about Mossad called Gideon Spies, and it's a piece of trash. And it relies it's the most unreliable book I've actually ever read on the Middle East. And just hmm. avoid it. It's very it's, it's, it sells a lot. It has a a kind of um, you know Howard Zinn type quality. Every time I go in a bookstore, it's still there, it's still in print, and people are still buying it. So, but it's a very very bad book. A book that I'll mention, uh, not necessarily as the best of it, but something that I enjoyed and thought worthwhile when reading it, but also became a cautionary tale for me to never talk about um, the <laughs> Middle East. Um, it's always good counsel. <laughs> uh, right. Is uh, Thomas L. Friedman's uh, From Beirut to Jer- Jerusalem. It's a good book. It's a, it's very a really good book. good book. I have it right. I can see it from right here. Yeah, it, it is a very good book. And that was like, before it get, he it gets you to what, yeah. like 1990, basically, or 1998. I forget. I forget what the time. It's not modern. Right. It no. gets it gets you the basic kind of, uh, you know, between 1975 and 1990 story there. But the reason why that gives me reticence is that when I came back to this country after living eight years in Central Europe, um, that was back when NATO was expanding and Thomas L. Friedman was kind of at the zenith of his powers as a, oh, my God, he really knows everything uh, kind of columnist, which he actually rode for the next 10 years and still rides to some degree, like sells best-selling books that I can't imagine people trying to read. But um <laughs> Uh, you know, I read this book and thought, wow, he really knows what he's talking about. And then um, you read his columns about something that I actually know about. Uh-huh. I don't know about m- many things. But one thing I know about is the expansion of NATO into the Visegrad four countries, right? Which is Czech, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, and Poland. Um, and he would write about them in these columns in 1998. And I even forget why it was uh, uh, something that everyone was talking about. I guess maybe uh, the Senate was ratifying it or something. Um, and he was saying this is only happening because of the Czech lobby in the United States. And it's like to write a, a sentence so absolutely gobsmackingly stupid, like where, where does the Czech lobby live? Like what, 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 what is the, what is the ethnic Czech, Czech center? Like what, 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 you know, what are you talking about? Like, dude, it's like the, there were checks in Chicago back in the day. Is the beginning of your contempt for him? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Because, yeah. and, and I saw how like, how uh, free flowing it was! Like, uh-huh. of, it was almost in the Noam Chomsky esque, which we talked about. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, sorry, this is my iPhone. Every time you say Chomsky esque, <laughs> Camille's phone says Zias Chomsky land. But don't forget. Sorry, I was I was pushing it to, to, to power it off because the battery yeah, the battery yeah, yeah. is dying. 
And I'll, I'll plug it in for you. To, you want me to plug no, please. It's a yeah. cautionary tale for those of us who have lived in the world. Uh-huh. It's uh, we growing up in in uh, in Southern California. We had a, a phrase in my neighborhood called "engineer's disease." Ed, we called it before Ed became something else. <laughs> although it has some similarities because all of our dads were aerospace engineers and mm-hmm. aerospace engineers whose job it is to, and you listeners can't see, but there's like a piece of technology in front of me that yeah. Michael's in charge of. Um, uh, and like, there's a knob on it. <laughs> Don't touch yeah. the knob. I'm man. not going to touch it. But like, the, you know, the, the engineer's job is that knob. And because of that knob, he thinks that he has not only expertise on the whole box, but uh, on entire geopolitical systems of thought and philosophy and, mm-hmm. and theory and mm-hmm. stuff. It, it, terrifying. Like, these people, and, and I say this with great affection for my father and other people, you know, my, like my dad would sort of like uh, Central Europe explain me mm. uh, about like goings on in the Czech Republic in 1994 when I'd been living there and like he hadn't, yeah. um, you know, uh, so yeah. you would have, you would, you feel like you could transfer your knowledge. And so a lot of people who have lived in places and did good reporting and got a really good understanding of that particular region thought, therefore, that they had the key to figuring out how that region and the other region and the other region works. And you see that this actually had policy implications in the in the Iraq war, because so many people thought that they were going to transfer the knowledge in some cases that they had um, specifically in the region that I was in, in Central Europe. And they would make their assessments about what might happen in the wake of the Iraq war based on um different things that were happening in century. It just like, it was a bad comparison mm. and a lot of people made pretty disastrous mistakes. And some of them were, you know, as well intentioned as one can possibly imagined, mm-hmm. but you know, there's no way that Samantha power who cut her teeth in Yugoslavia was going to have a really good insight into yeah. the middle East. Um, you know, by 2001, it's just a different I mean, look, place. I made that mistake too, but I wasn't Samantha power, but um, mm. I, you know, not yet. <laughs> And I made an argument on this show one time that I think that there was maybe, and this is the, the, the opposite of this makes it sound worse, but there was not Islamophobia, but Islamophilia in the sense that w- w- I was deeply sympathetic to the the plight of people in Iraq and the plight of people in various places of Afghanistan and in the Middle East um, and thought that Germany and Japan were models. I, I was young. I didn't know anything of the region. I was jarred by seeing a tower fall on September 11th. I was here in Brooklyn. I was right by the water, right where I am now, um, literally two blocks away and, and, and still in the same kind of area. And yeah, it kind of warps your brain and makes you think like the idea for getting vengeance and things like that is completely understandable. Mm. And you look for kind of what you think are historical analogs and you say, oh, when did we do this last? Oh, well, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. Let's not do that. Uh, let's go back further. Uh, well, Korea wasn't very great either. We left it in the middle, but you know, South Korea is pretty good, pretty good. And we step with troops there at Japan. That's doing great. It's doing great. And then it's like, wait a second, none of this works. And it was because you didn't want to confront or didn't have the knowledge for a lot of people to confront the confessional um, problems and difficulties uh, in the region. I mean, Northern Ireland was probably the better uh, analogy, which is at a, it's been a tenuous piece for some time, but it, it took it took a while, but a uh, huge number of differences too. But th- no one was talking; everyone's trying to feel their way through Sunni and Shia as they were making policy. That's a bad thing. That is a bad thing. Because you imagine people coming into you know, were talking about blacks and Jews having difficulties in the nineties and stuff. Imagine a completely alien occupying force saying, "Wait, what do you guys? What's the problem you guys have with each other? 
huh? Wait, so give me a, give me a backgrounder and some guy in a suit, like putting his foot up on a desk, you know, from Eddie Kellogg, accent. Kellogg Brown and Root or something, you know? Um, Rand Corporation. All right, I want to move to something else. And this is, um, I'm going to prepare you for something here because um, this is a bit of a downshift um, and a necessary one because I didn't see this message and oh, I, no. uh, I feel very bad about not seeing this um, from a listener named Brian. And I, Brian, I will respond to this and I, um, I just do want to mention it uh, quickly. I don't know how to respond to it. Is it, um, is it fine that we're mentioning Brian's name? I, I, well, we're just not mentioning his last name, but we're okay. mentioning Brian's name. But Brian says, that your podcast is one of my sanity anchor points. Um, and then he makes a joke and says, don't, don't feel too good about that, though. And he lists a bunch of things that, that are also his sanity anchor points that we'll make fun, fun of him for later. Um, uh, but he, sa- he says this, and um, this is a tough thing to read, but, but you know. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, my youngest son died about a year and a half ago. Oh. And any time I feel myself getting too depressed, um, I reach for one of those anchors. So thanks for being one of the lights in the darkness. And then he goes on to recommend a uh, Scottish singer named Jerry Cinnamon. So uh, I'm going to listen to Jerry Cinnamon. Hmm. But Brian, I, um, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't have to say to that beyond that our relationship with our listeners is a strange one because it's so disconnected. And then we had a live show and we met all those people and they bought us drinks afterwards. And it was mm-hmm. like, wow, man. They flew from they places. They flew from places and they were great and they were so nice. And then we did this Patreon and there is a thing that you're paying for content and we treat them differently. And I read all the emails and I make sure to get to respond to them. This was a, there's a lot um, going on. And this was one of the ones that I hadn't gotten to. And um, I remember when we were doing documentaries and putting them online and we'd be like, look, you know, Oh my God, 10,000 people watched it. And then 2 million people, 3 million people. And then you're walking down the street and somebody says, Oh yeah, I like that thing. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, great. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, those are real. Those people like correspond. Those numbers correspond with people. And that's always the thing when you have, we have a lot of listeners and they're, they're great and they're dedicated and everything uh, that we have a very, um, now we're getting more of a connection to them and getting a sense of who they are. And having, you know, been through things that I can't, they're not analogous to this at all, but they're terrible, terrible experiences. And um, one of the things about them is silence is an absolute enemy. It's the worst thing in the world. When people say, I just need silence. And he says, well, they have a pretty good lot in life. Um, people who don't have a good lot in life. Silence is a, is a, is, is an absolute killer. So I, I came up in my life with a series of things that, um, or there was a lot, long periods of time where I would have movies on in the background. I would have, you know, I, I, I got to know about so many issues because I just had to have radio on, right? Yeah. I learned to speak Swedish better because I put the Swedish radio on because it was just noise. I needed the noise because if not, your brain starts doing battle with itself and it's Im- Im- impossible to stop. It's not something that you can, you can switch off. So I understand that. Um, Brian says, he said, he says, don't feel too good about that though, because you share space with the Ellen DeGeneres show. Graham Norton, a Scottish singer named Jerry fucking cinnamon, the secret life of pets, by the way, great movie. And the glory in the dream audiobook. Um, I don't know why these things work, but they do. Glory in the dream. And one of those is, is our podcast. Um, so, uh, appreciate the note. Honor, um, honor to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, I have a very similar experience with 
you know, there's not a monkish like, I, I guess some people are like that, but there's not a monkish like thing when tragedy envelops you. And, and for me anyway, and I need to not be with my brain and I need to have people talking at me and talking to me and to think that in, in any way that's been helpful is great. I, even it's you, great. Ta- even you talking about this Moynihan um, brings to life uh, entire decades full of memories uh, from me that are not necessarily pleasant, which yeah. is the same thing. Like yeah. it had to have CNN back when CNN was the only game in town uh, on constantly or BBC yeah. international. Yeah. And it was for the same reason. Like yeah. there, you know, and we, you know, we had record players and tape and players. Yeah, yeah, and there was exactly. a problem that the tape yeah. ran out. Yeah. Like you had to have a backup. You had to have the shortwave playing BBC and it was all precise. Yes. I wanted to learn. And, and I like the, you know, when they would read cricket scores at three o'clock in the morning, I didn't understand a word. It's like 500 not out and yeah. like someone did a wicket and okay. Um, <laughs> but like they had the nice accent. It was fine. But it was, it was very much part of that. Like yeah, I've got to fill that space. And it's, I'm, I'm lucky to not have that sense. And also I think uh, my wife would stab me in the, in the neck mm. uh, if I was like playing um, a bunch of BBC. Well, it is because you can listen to music. I found that because, you know, I mean, if you if music lives and courses through your 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 life and your brain and your it, it, it it's always can't work. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. redolent of something. It feels something like neighborhoods, things. I mean, all those things have to be reengineered in your brain, right? You have to prevent yourself from thinking things about things that are around you, because when things disappear from your life, all the other things remain. And to try to reengineer that's very difficult. Um, going to places that you used to go to that had a particular meaning for you. And they are close by. And there's, you know, I think it's funny that that not to very cheaply tie this to something very cheap, which is this idea of of safety that we talk about a lot on the show is that, you know, look, people who study this stuff say you have to confront it. Like, you know, it's like petting the spider when you're an arachnophobe, right? And so it's been a long thing of like, I don't keep pictures around of people in my life who have died. They don't exist. Someone once told me I don't trust people like you. Um, and I think it's a fair, fair, fair thing to say, because I can't be reminded of it. I can't, I can't think about it. I can't, I can't look at it. I can't, I just, I want to just, you know, bury the head. And so, yeah, I mean, I went, went in my recipe for that. And I just read this for the first time while we were talking was exactly what Brian's saying is that, you know, getting other people to talk at me without knowing them. But I think that that's actually the wrong formulation and the wrong, it's the wrong formulation because all of, you know, both of, you know, the, the frequency in which we get emails from people that say, you're a part of our lives because we feel like we know you. And I think that formulation is wrong too. You do know us. We just don't know you. Mm, and yeah, sometimes we will know true. you and you come to, you know, the gig or come to, well, I'm the gig, come to the live show, mm-hmm. send an email, you know, we interact. And that's why I always like Camille once said a long time ago, I feel bad that a lot of these emails haven't been responded to because I need to respond to them the right way. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to dash off an email that says, Hey buddy, thanks. You know? Yeah. For and sure. I never know when, when people say things to me and say, you know, come up to you and say, hey, I love the film that you did. I love the show that you do. I love, you know, you and Camille and Matt and whatever. It's always that moment of like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy mm-hmm. that it exists in that way, yeah. and it, that, that it hits people that way. Because I walk away from it thinking, is the point that I made on such and such thing sensible? Is it going to make people laugh at me? Is it stupid, right? 
Whereas um, I think people internalize a lot of the stuff that we do in a totally different way. And, and we've mentioned this before at the beginning, and not to go on too long about this, but this resonated with me. But Camille, uh, all of us debating at the beginning of the show, do we talk about the, the nonsense? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember arguing the nonsense is good. At the beginning of the show, people like that stuff. And the reason people like it is because if you're a weekly show, or almost weekly, now we're much more than that, mm-hmm. you're in people's lives. And you give them a piece of your life because they exist for me too. They exist for me to tell stories of being a Shabbos Goy when we were talking about it. Because, you know, I, I'm not going to tell my daughter. She's going to be like, what are you talking about? Leave me alone. Can I get the, the macaroni that looks like a cartoon character? That's the next yeah. supercut, by the way. It's like the 10-minute story level, not, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, the 90-second yeah, yeah. <laughs> table pounding rant. Yeah, those are uh, rants. Did you listen to the rant thing? I haven't yet, no. Okay. no. But oh, you had the link. It was like a, there was like a Dropbox. I mean, yeah. On. I have to click on it or something? Yeah, you have to click on it. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's, yeah, the clicking is a thing. with it has a, It's called a mouse. Mm. And you just do a little thing. <laughs> right. But anyway, Brian, I'm going to listen to Jerry Cinnamon. Um, he has a set at the... I don't know how to call it. What call this this fre- festival in Glasgow. Just him, a guitar, and a drum machine. And 50,000 hmm. fans singing along. Woo. Uh, Matt and I nerd out about music all the time, Brian. So um, Jerry Cinnamon hmm. will be uh, somebody that I will check out. And... Um, Sounds I like will tell point. you if I hate it. <laughs> so I'll write you and say, hey, Brian, you're on the wrong track. Here's what, here's what you should listen to. And now I'm thinking Scottish. I mean, Scottish music, Orange Juice. That was a Scottish right. band, right? Hmm. Um, was Mick Hucknell, was he Scottish? He looks like he's, I mean, he's, he's ginger. I think he's Scottish. I always wanted to say that uh, Slade. Oh, well, because his Naughty Holder has, has, yeah. is, is a ginger too. And you think he's, I don't think he is Scottish. Yeah. Garbage, Shirley Manson, Scottish. Okay. Remember that? Yeah. The Proclaimers, of course, were Scottish. Uh, a lot of great Scottish bands. So I hope that uh, Jerry Cinnamon is going to rank in that pantheon of Sounds great. Like a porn star. Great Glaswegians. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Bill and Sebastian. They're Scottish. Twee Scottish bastards. There's a lot of twee Scottish stuff. Yeah. There's like postcard records, all this stuff. Anyway, but uh, thank, thank you very, very much for the email. And Brian, I'm going to be writing you too, rather than just nattering on with nine glasses of wine fountain pen what you gonna write with the fountain pen oh <laughs> <laughs> oh i have a something just popped up that i have to tell you offline because it's quite funny Uh-oh. um um let's see what else do we oh this is a good one I didn't send this to you, Camille. Oh. Your last show's mention of Dragon Ball Z reminded me that the show had a character that looked like he was in blackface. <laughs> what? what? And I wrote, this is, and I didn't get to this because I was going to, he said that when we were recording last time and I uh, wrote back, oh man, we're recording right now. I'll definitely mention this. I'm going to get to it. And uh, that is, his name is Mr. Popo. And sure oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, that's oh, right. Oh my God. Mr. Popo. Black, yeah. 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 Ironic, because that's also yeah. a slang term for the police. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I, I got a, a message wow. from, um, from from someone saying, yeah. <laughs> Thank I, you, Colin, for pointing out that uh, Camille loves a show that has something in black. For I actually saw a number of messages from folks who, who also love Dragon Ball Z. I, I'd forgotten that one of my first eBay purchases was the entire series on CDRs. Like not, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah like, just like burned yeah, CDRs, MPEGs, individual burned, uh, yeah, video yeah, yeah. files. And most of the episodes were in Japanese and I watched them subtitled, like blown up big screen um, on my, on my oh, it's big, Japanese? huge display. Yeah. That's and, why it's super racist. Um, I can still hear him like saying, he's like, Oyo, Goku. like I'm, I'm, I'm Goku. <laughs> uh, I think that's what he's saying. Um, that was great. 
This- I, I failed organic chemistry because I watched like all of those episodes in the course of like two weeks. So the I thing about people getting to, to know you, Camille, is yeah. that they think you're cool. Oh, I am. And yeah. you're I'm just talking about like cool. you're watching increasingly less anime cool. on your laptop <laughs> and listening to Dave Matthews cool. yeah. singing along. Yeah. Well, all gotta, of those things, that and future. Like it's, it's well, all together. That was pre future. Yeah. That was the past. Um, I have something for Camille here. Uh, um, and this is a good one. Yeah. Uh, a guy oh, named Ryan. Boy. Oh no. He said, I have an idea for a topic you could cover though. It might be a bit personal. So I understand if you don't want to hit on it, good. though I am a never fly coach member. So do it because I own you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, if this is Ryan. directed, if this is directed at me and he yeah. just claimed well, ownership over me. Yeah. What was the name Whoa. of the, totally acceptable and fine. Whoa. That's what is fine. the name of the category that we promised the, the never fly coachers? Like, uh, what was that? It was like, uh, uh, Rich people ask me anything. Oh, yeah, 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 kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get back. I was wondering if, and here's the tough thing, and Uh-oh. Camille's probably best on this. I was wondering if you guys could, would cover your thoughts on religion, hmm. how it affects or has affected your life and your intellectual, spiritual path to get what your thoughts are on it now. Matt and Moynihan have mentioned the Catholicism here and there. Camille has talked about previously being a, here's the thing, I want to p- point out that Ryan sent a follow-up email to correct his mistake here. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, that Camille talked about previously being a Jehovah's Witness, and I, that's mm. Prince. Mm. Uh, and then he wrote back, uh, <laughs> Common sorry, mistake. we often get confused. Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, um, both, both relatively young um, Protestant faiths. Yes. And and most of those tend to be a little little weird. And they're both America-created, like... Crazy uh, yeah, things, that's like right. Mormonism, yeah. And, I, and but but I'd love to hear more about it uh, from all of you. And since I'm someone who's also lost faith and struggles with uh, it at the uh, w- struggles with it a lot, ex Mormon. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Uh, the person I had uh, um, uh, lunch today is was an ex Mormon. Went to BYU. Mm-hmm. Put her in touch with with uh, uh, with uh, Ryan. Um, let's see. Okay, blah blah blah. And I love podcast. Let's see. Oh, this is great. This is the PS, and I want to get to Camille and religion. Mm. Keep trying to get my wife to listen so you guys can show Moynihan there's at least one female listener, but she <laughs> fucking hates it. <laughs> so no luck yet. Ryan, we love you. Your we, wife. Leave her. We, we Leave her. We, we, literally, leave her. We, if, she's, if she's a Mormon, get We've out of here. had a lot of success with wives. Yeah. I want to say, like, a lot of at, at yeah. reason the broad... <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Yeah. Divorce. No. But uh, like, a lot of people uh, in the reason universe will say, like, my wife hates libertarians. By, uh, yeah. Again, yeah, this yeah. is not a libertarian podcast. That yeah. helps. Over indexes. Um, and, but, uh, the, Loves the show. So mm-hmm. um, shout out to all of those. Yeah. So wives. what's wrong so, with your R- wife? R- Ryan's Already wife. Already suspicious of her. Yeah. 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 No, seriously. Let her I, listen to this. Let her listen yeah. to me saying, I don't yeah, trust when, you. When you take. I don't trust you, baby. <laughs> but uh, if you call me, we can figure something out. What's up? I'm okay. a ninth day adventist. I'm sure she's not. I got two more. <laughs> <laughs> adding, adding adventism. Oh, Camille. My God. Yeah. You were raised in the church. Tell us about it. You know, this is, it's odd because I think there's, I want to give a very interesting answer to this. It's undoubtedly the case that my religious journey has had some impact on me. It wasn't until college that I actually became a very serious evangelical. Um, uh, Before then, I was- College is where people usually defect, but you went harder. Yeah, yeah. I, I was raised in the church. I was going to, at some point along the way, my family moved from Northern Virginia back to Maryland, where the rest of the cohort was, and there's a lot of us. Um, and uh, raised in the church, 
Adventist Friday night to Saturday night, you can't do anything except be at church, which creates what I've discovered now is a rather unique experience because I had this community of people that I was interacting with at school, regular public school, but then from Friday night to Saturday night and often on Wednesday night when we'd have Bible study, um, you were pretty much there at church all day. And if you're not at church all day, you go home for lunch with one another and for the group of young guys that I grew up with, we were kind of together and we were together in the way you would expect any group of like 12, 13, 15 year old boys to be like, you're naughty and you're talking about girls, girls in the church and girls back at school or whatever else. And at night we would go out together those evenings. Um, the, the religious experience like wasn't particularly substantive um, for Adventists there. It, it's very, it's very much about the rules and the requirements and the things that make us different from the Sunday what worshipers. Is the, what is the biggest thing the that makes it, it, it yeah, different? The biggest difference is um, the belief that Saturday, um, as the Jews know, is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and that the that there is a remnant of the church, the true church, and the people who appreciate the message of the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath being this sort of important seal um, for the remnant. Like they are the ones who will be saved when Jesus literally comes back. So most um, evangelical believers believe that there's some sort of event at the end of time where Jesus will come back and something will happen. Um, Adventists have a very particular interpretation of revelation um, and they believe that, that he will come back, but before that, there's going to be an antichrist that manifests himself, who will obviously oh, be dear. connected with the with the Catholic Church. Yada yada yada. I won't explain all really? of that. No, but, Rome and Washington. <laughs> it's yeah, a Rome Washington I, alliance. I won't explain. I won't explain all of that. But Ben Carson knows, which is what makes it so suspicious that he went to go work in Washington and that he wanted to be. Is that in his book, uh, Tickling Hands, or is that <laughs> a different book? It's not in there. Yeah. Not in there. He doesn't touch. Is it on required? It, which is sad. Is it required if you're an Adventist to have an enormous picture painted of yourself no, as Jesus that in required. your house? Actually, frowned upon, or as just it's generally just ben frowned upon. That is. Is um, not a good thing that he's done. But but certainly what <laughs> by the time I got to university, I got very serious about my faith and I developed a faith community there. And most of my dearest and oldest friends are people that I met like at that point in my life or who knew me, um, who knew me up to that point and sort of stuck around. Um, and they know Camille, who was like teaching evangelical Bible studies like on campus, like throughout most of my time at university of Maryland, when I was living on campus, I had a very long, weird collegiate experience. I was on campus for three of the seven or eight years that I was getting my undergraduate degrees at eight university years. of Maryland. I was, I started running a business after my second year of college and it was only taking like two or three classes a year. In some cases, like one class in a semester. Well, I guess it's I guess it's fair that I believe you in that because you're yeah. making the point that you weren't partying really hard at those times. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I wasn't partying. Um and I was trying my very best to abstain from from sexual relations. Well, I did Ugh. go to university with the woman Snooze. who I would eventually marry. It's very serious about my People very pay serious for this. Can you make up some I sexual experiences? It's is it's rather dry, but I can say that when I discovered and this was a rather gradual process, but when I discovered that I didn't have this sort of confidence 
in my commitment to my religious beliefs that I thought I ought to, if I was going to continue Mm. to profess my faith. Um, It was certainly a very unsettling experience and it was a very long time. And it's hard to even sort of tell you precisely what the beats of the story are, except like you read Christopher Hitchens and you read um, some of these other very prominent atheists and you find yourself wrestling with the Mm. questions that they're tossing at you about these very deeply held beliefs, these principles that you never quite challenged before. Um, And it can create all kinds of difficult circumstances, complicated conversations you have with people who you've known and have you've had intimate relationships with, and you say things like, I'm not quite sure about this. And the response to that is, well, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Um, that's an actual mm. scripture. There's a verse there, mm. Matt. Um, but I remember it um, because I remember her saying it to me when I confessed that I had questions and she didn't have great answers. And that was her response. Um, and interestingly, it hurt. But I think the sort of sharpness of that rebuke made it a bit easier for me to separate myself Mm -hmm. from that particular community. Yeah, Catholics are a lot more chill about it. Uh Like, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not Catholic. I've I've been attending a Catholic church the last four years. And the priest there makes a big um, show uh, in every welcoming statement saying like, we welcome you here, whether you're Catholic or not, whether you're struggling with your faith, whether you're really pissed off at the church leadership. And like, you know, if mm-hmm. you're, you're in the right place, if you're, if you have questions about God yeah, kind of thing, which is a different vibe than like, yeah. you just hinted at doubt, uh-huh. you sinning bastard. Yeah. The, but on the other side, but that provokes I, more skepticism, doesn't it? it? It does. But on the other side of that, interestingly, I got a call on Friday night actually, which is an unusual night to get a call from my former pastor. Um, and is a guy who I still refer to him. Yeah. This past Friday, he calls me out of the blue. Um, and he's a guy who, um, really was like a father figure to me. I, I grew up with my stepfather who was, who was always around and was a great guy to me and in, in so many ways, but I also had pastor Stoddard who was great. He didn't have children of his own, but he sort of adopted me. And I remember, um, like uh, tombstone. He, recommended that I watch this film as his favorite <laughs> film. And now it's one of my favorite films along with unforgiven most Western Westerns. I like a lot of Westerns. Um, but um, he called me just to check in because he'd seen like pictures of my daughter on Instagram. And he called me years ago actually, and said to me, as Matt had said to me many, many times before Camille, you know, I was just thinking about you. I know you haven't had any kids yet, but he wanted to encourage me to have children because he said this was very important. And it was the one regret that he had in life. And we hadn't talked in a while and he knew I wasn't going to church. And every once in a while, he would call me to encourage me to go to church, not to tell me what to do, but to say, I'm praying for you and I love you and I miss you and blah, 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 blah. And he just called me to tell me that he'd seen her and he'd seen the pictures of her and that they were beautiful and he loved her and he would, he would love to come and meet her and then he would love for us to spend some time together and we just kind of caught up and it was, it was great. And at the end of the call, he said to me, you know, have you been going to church? And I think he knew what the answer was going to be, yeah. but it's obligatory to ask. And I, I didn't want to disappoint him, but I did. And he said, well, I'll keep praying for you. 
And I still, I miss like the community that comes along with that. And I miss the stuff that I used to do at church, which was I sung like in the praise team and stuff like that. And that was always great. And I still have a spiritual experience in that, you know, music can take me to very like otherworldly places. Um, but I don't need a lot of the, the, fulfillment that I suspect other people might get from sort of the mystery of God. I find that the the mystery of existence is profound enough on its own without um, stone age superstition attached to it. You know, and it's been, which I I don't mean that as, you know, any sort of a barb at people who have their faith. I'm happy to help people part ways with what I find (laughs) to be erroneous beliefs so in you're the, the opposite universe of, of pastor politics. Stoddard who, yeah, you're well, trying no, to get people to in the not go to church. No, in the universe of politics, I'm happy to do that. In the universe of religion, I, I honestly don't care about your bad beliefs. To the extent you privately hold beliefs that I think are wrong or even ridiculous, that's fine, so long as they don't affect me. And for the most part, I don't find that people's religious convictions have profound consequences in my own life. Mm which might put me at odds with somebody like Christopher Hitchens. Well, it's the one but, thing I never talked to him about, by the way, uh-huh. never, I don't think I ever did. Maybe once or twice I heard him going on about it, but, but, but never. And I mentioned the other day when the, the when he said that hilarious thing of, you know, if somebody's walking behind you at night in the park mm-hmm. and would you rather that person be religious or, or, or not? And I think it was a question that maybe Dennis Prager asked him. And of course, Christopher said, it depends on what religion, mm-hmm. which is which is quite funny. But, you know, I mean, it, the weird thing about it is that there was a moment when the kind of new atheists had, they were voguish for a while. And now it seems to be quite the opposite, um, just because those people also have skepticism when it comes to being like, that's why Sam Harris has, you know, talks about like sort of wokeness a lot and mm-hmm. talks about things like that. Because I think it's part, I think it's, Christopher had that thing too, is it's all part, Richard Dawkins is very much like, thinks this stuff's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all, like the new atheists kind of feel like, you know, the intellectual dark web or silly term. But I think the most interesting thing is, you know, when we were talking the other day about on um, the last free episode, when we talked about uh, mediums and mm. James Randi and things mm-hmm. like that, is that I find now is that, you know, it's so strange to say that you're religious or to talk openly about your religion, let's say a dinner party in, in Brooklyn or Manhattan or something, would be like rolling a grenade into the, the party. Just you're asking to get sort of sneered at or like, you know, don't talk about politics or religion. Politics always comes up, but like, you know, skunk at the garden party sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That said, there's always some point at which somebody tells you they went to a yoga retreat in Costa Rica <laughs> and it has all the trappings of religion. It has the language of religion, the spiritual things of religion. Ayahuasca. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ayahuasca, I think it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and like doing that stuff where you vomit for like three hours, then you have religion. And it's like, you didn't have a religious experience. You're just, you're like tripping. It's like not, it's like literally not how it happens. It's like not like you have a religious experience. It's like, no, no, no I just ate psychedelics. I don't know. Well, it can, I, I think that that maybe stuff can have, can have an effect on you, but you're, you, that means that everyone can have religious experience at will by sure. eating, eating these sorts of things. But, um, you know, it's, it's a religion in our universe mm-hmm. where we exist. Like, it's funny that there's like a church for young people in Williamsburg. This mm-hmm. was like 10 years ago. There's like that kind of punk rock church. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? It was like tattooed guy. Yeah. Hillsong yeah. is the one in Australia. Uh-huh. 
that is like cultish. And, They're all over the place. Now. Yeah. And yeah. that's uh, Justin Bieber's friends with that guy who's mm-hmm. the head of that. But yeah. like, that's curious. I like, those, I like pastors who wear $5,000 sneakers. Yeah. So I'm into those guys. Yeah. That's yeah. what Jesus wanted. Totally. Yeah. That, like, and, and he ought to have a Bentley. Yeah. My, my wife actually went to a Creflo Dollar affiliated uh, church when I'm, when she Creflo and I first Dollar? began dating, you don't know about Creflo. I, I, it literally sounds like a rapper. Yeah, he's Great a great pros- name. It's it's a bizarre name. I think it's actually Creflo his Dollar. real name. He is a prosperity pastor. So wow. he, he does this thing. I believe he still does it where he screams money cometh and he encourages the rest of the congregation to scream that along with him. But money's come a thing to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, he yeah. has the Bentley and the planes, etc. There was a, a story not so long ago where he was trying to get a brand new plane and he was starting to crowdfund. Oh, yeah. For this I, massive, I remember that. I remember massive that. plane. Yeah. He, I think he downgraded his ambitions, but he probably ended up buying it after all. Yeah. But I I'm mean, sorry. That's the, the grift on this is pretty interesting mm-hmm. and, and, and pretty um, substantial. I mean, it, it, it exists for a long period of time. And because of the Randy conversation, I was thinking of Peter Popoff, mm, who's I know him. A, yeah. a, amazing scam artist. Mm-hmm. And he was caught by James Randy um, uh, using a radio frequency in an earpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, and Randy famously said, when I saw him in his sermon uh, with an earpiece thing, it only could be, this is mid eighties, early eighties, had a hearing aid. And he's like, a man who can heal this, hear this, heal the sick can't make himself hear is kind of an odd thing. Mm. They brought in a specialist and they scanned the frequencies and they found a frequency and the God was talking to him in, in the form of his wife mm-hmm. who got the prayer cards beforehand and was saying, you know, through third row. I remember her saying, PD, I hope you can hear me. Cause if you can't, and it's just this elaborate scam, God. we have it on tape, Wow, have it on tape. Peter Popov still exists. He still has commercials. Now he sells holy water. Mm-hmm. This is years later, years later. And he's in Florida now and he's, you know, still driving a Mercedes and all this stuff. It's like, it is really hard to dislodge belief. And like, if, if you saw wild, wild country, the, uh, started watching it recently. It's good. Right. I mean, I have problems with it, but I think it's like the footage is amazing. The story is amazing. It's it's nuts. And it's Rajneesh, Rajneesh, the Osha, you know, whatever the hell he goes by Bhagwan, all this stuff. Um, the thing about that is like, you'd expect people today to just say, yeah, I can't believe I was involved. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, they're no. they're like, yeah, OSHA was great. And I there's uh, Emmanuel uh, Richard, uh, my wife, um, who's a, a Patreon subscriber. So she has to listen to me talk about her, <laughs> and is asking me fervently not to. But she wrote a piece. It's in the public record. So uh, to hell with her um, about uh, <laughs> um, her PI work. And one of the most fascinating cases that she did has to do with the psychology of belief and yeah. why you do it. And in this case. It was a pensioner, retired uh, like postal carrier or some damn thing in, in Quebec, who had never really left a small village, um, but got involved in an online relationship, in air quotes, with this woman in, uh, yeah. in Africa or, or South America somewhere. And like she kept not being able to quite meet him uh, or like show like do a video thing and whatever like it just went on for a really long time longer than you could ever imagine having a romantic relationship Stuff that most people would say this is a scam right yes mm-hmm. yeah and so then he finally goes and i think the story is and i'm sorry manuel if i'm miss, missing this up a little bit but he goes and finally meets her and the family and they give him a duffel bag and as he's coming back you know, like checking into texas houston oh, somewhere i think you told me the on, on the way to, to back to quebec uh, he's uh, pulled over and he's like carrying all the the drugs in the world. Yeah. And he's like, I I've never traveled outside of Canada before. I don't know what's going on. 
Um, and you know, he's a retiree and the woman, you know, considerably younger. And so Manuel was brought in by the public defender there in Houston. Um, because Jeez, you get a public defender. Uh, yeah, that sucks. So like, and he was facing, uh, by the way, I met a lot of public defenders that are quite good, by the way, just, but, but mm. you know, he was obviously not a guy who has a ton of money to defend himself. Facing right? life in prison. Yeah. And, um, and because she speaks French and, and has skills, but was able to go in and sort of figure out what's going on in the case. And it was clear that he was a recipient of a scam on the on target end of a scam. And so got him off and got him back, uh, to his home. And hmm. the, Coda of the story is the one that is the most significant, I think. I mean, you know, props to my wife for helping free a man who who didn't deserve to be in jail for the rest of his life. That's guilty of being stupid. Guilty of being Naive, stupid. Yeah. What does he do after six months? Goes back. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't physically go back, but he reignites the relationship. Yeah. And and her in her but telling. Was there, was there at any point in the in the court trial that they said, "Well, this is a man." It named went before the court trials for for. Got it from what I remember, but like, um, it, and it's, it's the fantasy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, my God, you're, you live a small town existence. You don't have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, you're retired. This is exciting. This is actually the most exciting thing that's ever happened in your life. It almost got you in jail for the rest of your yeah. life. However, it is still exciting. And, and I, I don't, I'm not using this as an analogy for all religion. I think that's wrong, mm -hmm. but like for particularly the, the, the scamming edges of the religions, yeah. right? Like, so the, the Rajneesh is an example or what, what the, what the fuck is that guy's name? Camille? Which one? Again, oh, the funny dollar, high dollar sign. Creflo dollar. Yeah. Great yeah. Name. Dollar sign. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. The greatest name in the world. I mean, it's like, it's like pro wrestling on mm -hmm. some level. Like everyone knows that it's fake and it's great. Cause it's super entertaining. Mm -hmm. It's mm. more exciting than what you had before. Yeah. And why not go for it? And that says to something, and if I was being Hitchens like, and I'm not, and never would be, um, I would say, well, that just shows that, blah, blah, blah. Um, um, that there's something inherent in all of us that wants to believe in, in fairy tales. I'm more um, empathetic to uh, the mystery with a capital M mm -hmm. uh, or like, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that maybe, there might be something elementally interesting in our need and search for that that is worthy of respect I think and not that, immediate derision. I think that's true. And when you when you say everyone knows it's fake, I, I don't suspect you're saying that in general people who practice these fake. No, I'm, I'm I'm meaning very specifically about like Rajneesh mm -hmm. about about that dude and his like you know the, yeah. the catfish artist yeah. out there like. People, yet people can, or, or in pro wrestling, yeah. like people can be attracted both to this elevating, you know, excitement in their lives or just that it's entertaining in yeah. it on its own level and kind of like, who cares if it doesn't really work, it, you know, if it doesn't pass the smell the, the, test. The motivating, I mean, it's, it's, I have enormous amounts of sympathy for people like that. People mm -hmm. who lead lonely lives and are looking for, I mean, that's where, um, you know, old people are always victims of scams. I mean, as they, as they become increasingly isolated it's from horrifying. the world, horrifying. it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, it, you know, when we, you, you mentioned, uh, Hitch again, is that what he said, some of the, the motivating thing that pulls him out of bed every morning is the emotion of hate. Mm. And that <laughs> is me too, in some ways. And, and, and like, I, it is empathy that curdles into hate. It should, it should, by the way. It should always happen because when you see, we talked about um, our listener Brian, who had a, had a tragedy befall him in the past year and a half. And when I think 
of the people that I have talked to and interacted with who are grief vampires, because there's nothing more disorienting than grief, mm. right? I mean, the, the, the cadence and the rhythm of your life is disrupted and it's impossible to get back. And then someone appears and says, I'm going to get it back for you. And what you believe to be uh, a final kind of stage isn't final. And I'm going to show you how. Mm. And it just requires that you separate with a little bit of money because, look, this is a talent. Not a lot of people have this. I can do it. I can talk to them and I can do this. There is something so vile about that, the people who exploit people in those situations. Because if you've been in one of those situations, you are kind of untethered from your rational self, and you should be, because that's a normal response. It's a normal response to be untethered from your, your rational thought processes. And to think in some way that there's some sort of, you know, bottom-dwelling scumbag who's slithering towards you and sees your grief and translated through their optics as a series of dollar signs, that those people are the lowest form of scum. And the thing about it is like, you know, we put people that rip off the government because they're, you know, getting all their money taken by taxes. I want to save a little here. And they take it. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. It's illegal. You're going to go to jail and everything. There's, <laughs> I go to, I've been in the stadiums in which people are scamming the grieving because they're repulsive fucking monsters. Mm. And that's, you know, in some places it actually is illegal to actually tell fortunes and things like that. I think in New York state, it actually is legal, but there's a number of states where it is actually illegal to do this. Mm. And I'm not saying that's, a, that's, that's a sensible uh, from a policy perspective, but you know, the, 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 I, the desire to, for the supernatural, uh, which exists for a very good reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's never gone away and it's never going to go away. So if it is Catholicism, or if it's Kim Jong-un, that is the same thing. Kim Jong-un was never born. He was dropped like his <laughs> Kim Il-sung on, on the mountain. And, you know, he's an otherworldly speech uh, creature, which is why people are wailing and screaming and stuff. They didn't lose a father. They lost a godly figure, mm. which is somebody that was not of this earth. And there's not a country where this doesn't exist, even when they're separated from, you know, technology and modernity and all this stuff. So, you know, it, it's a it's a thing that exists and we have to manage it in some ways in the way that I see that it, that it, 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 it becoming in its worst kind of iteration is somebody is going to say to somebody like Brian, I mean, Brian's obviously a very sensible guy listens to the fifth column. How could he not be? <laughs> but his anchor points are people that calm something that is, is not easily calmed. Right. And that's, people talking and people just, you know, entertaining him. And he said, you mentioned Ellen DeGeneres, by the way. And like, I, it's a heterodox. Ellen DeGeneres is very funny, by the way. She's yep. actually a great comic. Mm -hmm. And there's a great series of things, uh, Brian, you should listen to. I uh, watch if you haven't seen them already. It's David Spade on Ellen DeGeneres. And he's, it's, oh, he's a brilliant storyteller. And I met him one time when he was selling his book when I was in publishing. And he's a funny, funny, funny guy. <laughs> I've, I've always found him funny. Oh in my God. Context. He's hilarious. And him on Ellen DeGeneres is like, it will be the momentary thing that takes you out of uh, misery and brings you to something, something slightly more elevated. Um, and, you know, look, I, I cannot stand these people. Peter Popoff was telling people to stop taking their medication. Mm -hmm. Throw it onto the, onto the stage. No. Throw it on the stage. We'll sweep it away. Yeah. People with crutches and things and, you know, throw the crutches away, do all this stuff. And you can sort of momentarily with, 
with the the kind of and this people they're holding them, making sure they don't fall on their faces and and make Peter Popoff look foolish, only them to look foolish because they're on television believing that this man can heal them. But those types of people, those types of people, I mean, in a, in a peaceful society, relatively so, mm. not in foreign adventurism and wars <clears throat> and the rest of it, relatively prosperous. These are the people that I hate the most. Mm. These are the people that I find, because we have a, a widespread loathing and disgust for white nationalists. Mm-hmm. There's no movement to, to make these people nice and, you know, let's rehabilitate them. People say, well, the president, no, no, Nazis are not coming back. They're, 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 they're bad people. We don't have a positive image of them. The, the people that I think like, who are the people that get away with it are pure, unadulterated, uncut, hundred percent from the jungles of Columbia evil mm-hmm. that you goes up your nose and blows your brain out. And it's these people. It's these people that are fucking grief vampires and seeing them at work is loathsome. Mm-hmm. And you just want to go up and you just want to fucking punch them in the face because that we overwhelmed by hatred for I mean, hatred, absolute hatred of somebody who could, you know, has the opposite feeling of helping an old lady across the street. Mm-hmm. It's yep. how do I get to the other side and actually remove what's in her pocket at the same time? Mm-hmm. These are not good people. And you know, we, we we're like, Oh, it's a fun little thing. I, here's a show on E he, has a, he does this. He talks to the dead. He doesn't fucking talk to the dead. He scams you. He cold reads you. It's the easiest thing in the world. There is, you know, kind of a famous ma- magician and escape artist named Houdini, who at the end of his career, end of his career, instead of retiring, made it his mission to go debunk these people. And that's what he did. And it's the most interesting period in Houdini's life. He goes around these seances, bunks them, turns the lights on, and shows you that they're moving the table with somebody <laughs> underneath it. And these are the people that has like, there are religious people and your pastor's not, I mean, there's ones that want the plans, but your pastor, your pastor's not trying to do that to you. It's mm-hmm. a good person, mm-hmm. believes in, these are not all the same things, yeah. right? But the ones that are say, I have the power, mm-hmm. me personally, yeah. I have the power that nobody else has. You know, I mean, to say you're the conduit to God, it's, I'm skeptical of this stuff, obviously, <laughs> but I just find them fucking gross. We did have, my pastor and I had one conversation and it was a private conversation, but I, I can divulge pieces of this because I don't think he would judge me. But I remember bits and pieces of the exchange where we were talking about other faiths. And again, as I mentioned, Seventh-day Adventists, the whole proposition here is that this is the true church. They have the truth. They will be saved and restored. But he, he, he shocked me. Um, I can remember during this conversation when he talked about other religions as being sort of, uh, if not lesser revelations of God, just sort of different dimensions of God's corporality. That makes sense. Mm. And I, I at least appreciated that he thought that there was something worthwhile in these other faith traditions, even though they weren't his own, which again, as someone who had only at the time, probably a much cruder understanding of of what um, the, the truth was uh, that was something that at least, and maybe this would disappoint him, gave me the, the freedom, at least the inclination to go out and learn more about other faith traditions. I can say that the very first thing that actually gave me, a spark of doubt beyond reading a story and being uncomfortable with the morality of the story. Cause there are certain stories like the story of Job, which has always just been like, God, this is fucking awful. It's super like, awful. this is bad. Like you can't kill my kids and then give me new kids and it's fine. <laughs> now I'm fine. <laughs> we're, we're good. Um, 
but um, it was taking this Jewish studies course um, as an undergraduate and being confronted with all of the things that I didn't know I didn't know about how the scripture was compiled and where and under what circumstances and the various source materials that went into com- that went into giving us the the various books of the Old Testament like <laughs> that's challenging shit for someone yeah. who believes this is the literal word of God um one other thing I'll say is just about my own my own current uh relationship with the the infinite and the mysterious the the infinity of the very large and the infinity of the very small as Alan Lightman puts it um is that I am super into um astronomy and I'm into it because there's something about the very human enterprise of like taking our cognitive abilities and using the tools that we have available to us, fucking math and figuring out how does it work? Like all of this <laughs> shit about how it works. It's just insane. It's Climb insane closet. that people from hundreds of years ago were able to determine yeah. with, with a degree of precision that is just astonishing, like the circumference of the earth and the distance between the earth and the moon and that we still today continue to discover all of these crazy things about just what those points of lights are in the sky. Um, and to, to, to your point on that, there's something magical yeah, about that. There, there is. And uh, to, to put a button on this one, cause it's a very, it's a, I mean, it's a easily a, a conversation we could do nine episodes on. And I think by the way, if you're listening to this right now, you're listening to part two, because I am going to divide this up into two. Uh, this is part two of the, of the, the asshole table or whatever Matt called it. Um, I think the, the, the example is for me and I didn't think about it in the religious context, but you easily can is um, watch the document, the Apollo documentary. Mm. One of the most amazing things I've seen. in It's Apollo 11. Oh my God. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. It is so it's beautiful, beautiful. And they found this footage, which I think was shot in, you know, like 72 millimeters, something, some crazy kind of 70 millimeter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's the most beautiful. Like it's, it's almost, it's almost like an arty film the yeah. way that it's like, well, it's just framed and everything. And you realize you're in the late sixties and easily demonstrated by the people waiting to watch this thing take off. And they have got the cat eye glasses on and like, just all the guys look like fucking Lee Harvey Oswald, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they're in like, they're like thin ties and like shirts, like shirt sleeves. And the thing takes off and you see all this stuff and all, I mean, the choreography of this and you see this control room of all these like young people, young people that are like late twenties, older guys too. And they're just like, you know, they're about to put a man on the moon. The fact that everything, everything has to go exactly as planned or these people die mm. and do not come back. And even knowing the answer and knowing what happens, it's a, it's like a scary fraught thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a one point, and this is a dumb guy question and people make fun of me for this, but fine. I'm not a scientist. Um, <laughs> they're approaching, they're doing their, but you do their lunar landing and they're talking to uh, mission control. I guess it was in Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, cause Houston, our problem was not that launch, but, but we're talking to Houston and I was walking, this is a true story. I was walking that day and I get so mad because I have a five-minute walk to the subway, 10-minute walk to the subway that I do every day, uh, or almost every day. And I can't, there's, there's, there's a huge pocket of it where I can't get a connection. And my phone like plays like pornography and video games and stuff it, on its own. I don't know how that happens, but it just says. And I can't get a connection every day. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, do I call like, the people? Like, I can't because I don't have a connection. And I'm watching, I'm like, wait, 
how are they talking from the moon to the people <laughs> in Houston? How? With, with, how a, it, with a slight delay. It, very slight delay. I have a bigger delay when I go on MSNBC from satellite. This is crazy. I'm like, holy cow, this is the yeah. most amazing thing I've ever seen. And yeah. like to the triumph of like human progress and ingenuity and, and, and engineering is like, holy cow, when you see the like parts of these things of it dropping off as it gets further into the atmosphere and then, yeah, things, yeah. then landing, like it's so insane. It's beauty. Mm-hmm. The absolute beauty of how it's shot is absolutely beautiful. I understand why people are conspiracy theorists because it's so crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Um, it's the beauty of it and it's the technological marvel. You cannot help but be overwhelmed by it. My daughter watched it with me the third time I watched it. I've watched it like three or four times. <laughs> uh, and she loved it. And she was seven, I guess. So that Was she still seven at the time? And loved it, loved it, loved it. And she lives in this world. And she's like, what? You couldn't bring your phone on the street with you 15 years ago, 20 years ago? I'm like, well, rich people could. But like 30 years ago, nobody could. And mm. she's blown away by it. But she was even blown away by that. That gives you a sense of how... Yeah specific it is it's like it is a marsh like how do they do that how do they, i'm like i don't know man yeah what i'm hearing is that uh, one of our live shows has to be in just space us getting <laughs> super baked and like watching space shit sure oh it's just talking about it we can yeah. do that tonight i'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. down yeah i had the I'm weed just, at the house I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna pack a bowl at, at Camille's house. Like, Yo, man. get the one hitter dude that guy is so amazing he's like the, the ringo that's the other guy's name that he was flying he didn't get off he was flying he was going around in circles what the fuck's that guy's name? Oh, Levin. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Gus Grissom. Uh, no, he's a guy in Apollo 11. He's literally like the Pete Best. Like nobody ever like, who is he? He was like, no, he was in space. He was like, dude, you got to stay in here. We're going to go out. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he just got Gosh. flying Collins, I think, uh, or something. something yes, Collins. yeah. And he's like, just fly around. And he's yeah. like, dude, can I get out? He didn't like, get no. To go. Yeah. Like, stay with the car. We're, we're robbing the store. Just stay in the car. We need you there. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, but I'm not going to get in there. Like, just relax. And he wrote a book. Mm-hmm. So when this movie came out, it was the anniversary or whatever. And it was like, I can't, the book was called like, I'm the other guy. Something was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like, I was there too, dicks. I yeah. can't what it was called. But I think it was Collins. I mean, Collins. But I mean, his, his adventure is probably the most terrifying. Totally. Could you imagine that? Absolutely no, true. No, like, no. It's 100% one, true. It's one like you're He's there too. orbiting the I'm, moon, my heart orbiting the moon by yourself. In, and when you're on the other side of the moon and your guys are down there on the surface. They're golfing and Fuck, shit. You, yeah. You're, yeah. You are farther away from Earth oh my than God. anyone it's in the ever universe. Has ever. Been. Ever. Yeah. It's the 60s. And shit Jesus Christ. Shit, you guys work. are stoners. And you can yeah. like, Well, I, I, I did smoke a little like, bit today. I, I love the fact. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you way, can fuck like, this up. You can fuck this up. Okay. And then like the guys come back and they can't get out. Or they could die down there. And then. It's your fault. You and can't you go home by yourself. You can't go home by yourself. No. You don't you do that by do yourself. It. But the amazing thing is, by the way, it is like, here's the crew size was three. Yeah. The crew was Neil Armstrong, mm-hmm. Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Non-recognition. Michael Collins. Well, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like, wait, he's the Irish revolutionary. No, no, no. Yeah. The one they made the movie with the guy, Liam Neeson. Like, no, no, he's a, yeah. he was driving. He's like the bus driver. They're like, no, but it's, it's dangerous. It yeah. was like a serious thing that he did. So he has a book out um, that is, it's all about um, driving in circles. Uh, and the best thing about it is Michael Collins is still alive. Yeah. And no one cares. No one cares, oh. man. I, I care. I care, Michael Collins. Let's also, get it. Let's get him on. Fir- first man was, was also. Oh, he's, he's, I think he's, I think he's here. Yeah. I think I, I, I he heard that he's, he's driving <laughs> with a diaper on from Cape Canaveral. First man was also a remarkable movie, which I've seen several times now. Is that good? Yeah, it's great. First man. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, like you should totally watch Matt Damon the, in that the, the thing? No. Of... Who's, what's the Matt Damon Ryan space Gosling. one? I don't even know who that is. Ryan Gosling? He's one of the Ryans. He's good looking. That's whatever. like a... All right, one, all right, let's get to one more, and then because we're going to split this up to two hours, by the way. Shit. <laughs> two hours. Um, well, okay, here's one. They Somebody, don't want you to split this up. The podcast yeah, that do. we give them yeah, is do. usually two it's hours. It's Christmas, <laughs> and this is special. Okay. And they're also getting things that you're going to fucking cut for them, it's by true. the way. I will. You got two more. I will. In the, in the, I you've do, been hiding I have it. Three. Three? I'm holding up two hands with three fingers yes, on the beach. Yes, he literally says six, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, really did, I really did smoke seven, a little bit. It's seven day Adventism. Yeah, 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 he's like, I got, that's like six day Adventism. Yep. But it, it's, uh, I'm thinking that one of them, which you've actually, I'm not giving anything away because you've no, talked you about it before. No, you can talk about I think he yeah. must have kicked your ass because you're just like not, not, no, you're not you taking that shit out of it. But I'll tell you what happened. No, just release the fucking thing. I will, but I'll just tell you, he didn't kick my ass. It just, he wasn't charitable. And um, I and I was yeah, and it's one of those exchanges where like it just becomes like weirdly pithy and kind of nasty in a way that I just this isn't fun. And that was a phoner, right? No, it was in person. It was in person, which is which is partly why it's almost certainly the case. And I, I honestly, was like you're black. I haven't even listened. <laughs> I haven't even listened to the whole thing like since. Uh, okay. But I remember like sitting across from him, and initially we're having this conversation, and he sort of loosened up because we spent the first fifteen twenty minutes. Me talking about like him, yeah, and, background. Like, he did and, the shit in Baltimore, and mm-hmm. me complimenting him, and it was more than twenty minutes because I complimented him for a while on the things that I think Black Lives Matter has done well, mm-hmm. um, and was very successful at, and the things that I think he seems to be really particularly good at. But then once Best it wearing. got a little bit confrontational, well, no, at a minimum, like always seeming to be aligned with or involved in the very best things that Black Lives Matter seems to produce. Like to the extent they're doing good things, it seems to be stuff that involves him. Um, which, you know, maybe that's which is just very good terrible, luck. But, but, but it's also, but it seems like something. And then we talked about the specific stuff. Yeah, but it's, it's but, like we were saying about religion is that this, that they love you until you start questioning. They're like, wait, wait, hold on. It has that element to it because when somebody says to me, I agree with you on 50% of things, I'm like, whoa, what yeah. a victory. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that was it, just, it was disappointing for me because I was hoping for the other thing. Like I was hoping for, like a substantive discussion of like our differences of agreement. And it still seemed to boil down to, we don't agree all the way. And by the end of the conversation, it was like, I, I, he, it seemed like he wanted to be out of the room, which is yeah. just kind of like, eh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, well, uh, you know, Fuck enough you. about that. Cause you're, you'll you're, hear it. You'll, you'll hear it. it. You'll hear and it. I will get, um, I will cut that. Yes. One thing I'm going to say is I, I haven't responded to this. Sasha who, um, signs his name, Adam, um, Right. What, what uh, it's Adam uh, <laughs> writes what Adam amounts to an op-ed piece because uh, it's very long. Oh, Adam. Um, but he is talking about David Otter's uh, from MIT's uh, paper on trade, which I have read and I have thoughts on. Hmm. But I won't do it now. But um, I just want to say that um, Adam, I will respond to you. Um, but he is uh, skeptical of our our take on uh, trade and he mentions uh, David Otter, but I'm just bringing this up for one reason. It's a very long thing. And I, I, I want to tell him that I have read it. It's, and I just see it's easy to snark about T- uh, Tucker Carlson, but this is blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I get where you're coming from and I disagree with you. And what I would think is uh, what you should do is listen to Otter um, on Russ Roberts' podcast. Uh, he hmm. Russ Roberts talks to him about it, and there's there's some, of course, truth in what he says about um, China displacing American jobs. 
and they're not being the gain of certain jobs. Well, they just go away and they make something new. That's not exactly true, but um, I don't agree with this this uh, take on it. Um, he mentions uh, 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 Tim Carney uh, too, um, and a bunch of other people. But we'll get. I think I think this actually deserves. Um, and mm. I like I like doing this because we can kind of like work it out as we go and just like read this stuff. But it actually deserves a trade economist, and not necessarily a trade. What I would like to do for us because. We do do we do want to experiment and try different things, and whether it's in this context of the Patreon only stuff or the stuff um, that we that we give away and have been giving away, which is of course the stuff that um, that we love and and has been what we've been doing for three and a half, maybe almost four years. Um, but I would actually be for Adam's uh, question or many questions. I would be interested in having two trade economists on um, who have different opinions on this. And who can actually talk about it in a way that's accessible to to our listeners? Because it is one of the more important, I think, issues of our time mm-hmm. that is often underlooked. And when I did the trade war thing, and I mentioned this before, I was shocked. First of all, that HBO gave us a half an hour. It was a fifteen minute piece. They said you can have the whole whole episode, which is not something they do 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 easily. And we're like, really? <laughs> trade? Really? Honestly? And then, of course, we did the we did the uh, um, uh, Leonard Reed eye pencil kind of thing with the iPhone, mm-hmm. um, and then it got three million views on YouTube. A full doc on trade is people care about this stuff, and it impacts everybody. And it's whether you realize that it impacts you or not is when you start being interested in it. So, um, uh, Adam, Sasha, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to read Sasha's. Sasha's it's good. Post. It's good. It's interesting, and I think he makes some um, he makes some very good points. Uh, I've heard. The points before, um, and I think they deserve a a, a pretty uh, full response. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that is, and should we do should we do one more? Only if it's short. What? Yes. Well, yeah. Do you really want, you want to go home? No, I just gotta pee. What? Do, you, can, you can pee. Just <laughs> yeah. put, just bring yeah, the just mic. Don't the tell, glass, just glass don't glass right tell there. people about it. No, just yeah, just bring the mic in with you and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, put yeah. it around just because they like to get sound effects they're always telling us about that <laughs> i'd love it if you heard you peeing <laughs> um uh could you please post your email addresses twitter and facebook are enough of me do you read uh mao's great famine uh the richard dickotter book mm-hmm. yeah uh, frank frank dickotter yeah i reviewed either that book or one of his other books on Mao oh. for uh commentary oh. uh yeah they're great he's he's a dutch historian um of china and was very good at bringing out documents in both two books, one about uh, the great leap forward and mm-hmm. one about the cultural revolution. The great leap forward was one that I reviewed, okay. uh, which was, I believe the famine book. So I can send you my review of it. If you'd like, why, why um, do you ask? No, I'm buying it. Right now. It's very, very good. Um, so I'm not sure why, why that just, it, that's happening. Um, you know what? There's a lot here. Um, this guy, Tyler has a very good one. I want to get, I want to have these. Um, I want to have actual responses to these because they're, they're, they're very good and very smart. Um, but we've gone on for a while. What do we want to, anything else we want to finish on? And by the way, we're going to cut this in two. <laughs> it's Christmas. Okay. I want to give it like, you're, I don't, you're going to make them wait. Yeah. But like, dude, these are, I don't, these are people who get a two hour dispatch from us every week and then listen for the yeah, extra but this stuff. Is, this is, this is, that's the main course. This is the other shit. You're forcing them to wait. Let's see I'm if they like that. I'm forcing them to wait. Let's see if they like that. Then I don't give a shit if they like it. I just want to know, you know if they, they like do? it. You know what other people in the fucking Patreons do? I Nothing. I want to know if they, they say, like it. They say, give us your money. We're awesome. We should yeah. support us. And that's it. We also we have do aggressive tiering. 
Just, we do. You know what we else? Have, no, owe, everybody has. We owe a couple of things because oh, God, I need to. I need to do the thing where we set up the survey so people can do the selection of topics as promised. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do that. Thing. Yeah, that's, Two, that's that's actually fun. Um, swag coming early 2020, and there will be some exclusive really? shit for Patreon people. You've been uh, contracting uh, shit out of really? working on some things. Where's the things? Working on some things. Oh, oh. things beer koozies? No, man. Oh, Come piece. on, beer koozies. It's gonna be great. Whatever it is, it's like Yeezy level. Really? Word. R- really? Not Yeezy sneakers. I just mean he's like doing the Jesus is King t-shirts. Those I are pretty thought, cool. I just thought you were going to make some sneakers for everybody. <laughs> no. I was pretty excited about that. No. no. All right. Well, but I mean, if you're like doing Never Fly Coat shit and you've been doing it for like yeah, six yeah, months, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you should get something no, badass. I mean, I mean if you've been doing actually. it for 12, but you're like also, you should get something even more badass. You're also, so like exclusive uh, hoodies that are shit that I would actually wear, like that's the shit yeah, that you'll get. Okay, look. I, you know I'm a fan of this. You know we've talked about this in the past. Uh-huh. You know I want to do this, and it was like a, a, a like a contentious, not a contentious thing, controversial thing, like launching without having having yeah, all the stuff. the stuff. Yeah, but my, my argument being that people um, have been asking us this for a long true. time. Yeah, can we give you money because you give us a, a product? Yeah. And they weren't saying, "Can we give you money so you can give us more stuff?" I understand. They were just saying the the, the money thing. I get that. That said, yeah, I have an enormous amount of respect for all the people who have done this, and it, it's been kind of overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, and I, I value the feedback, and I get excited when I read a whole just passel of emails from people who have all sorts yeah. of different views. The one, by the way, the most common view: come to Seattle. Yeah, it is literally the most common. View. I, the number of come to Seattle things that I've gotten. I don't know what's going on there. If there's like I a lobby, they heard us, the whole Antifa thing, so they're afraid, and they, they heard us list a little bit uh, toward Portland. They're yeah. like, I fuck think Portland, so. go to uh, Seattle. Yeah, because nobody in Portland's listening. Uh, yeah. Literally, they, they, they've banned they us in Portland. Actually, have left Portland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To, New York. <laughs> to, to Seattle, <laughs> it's like the, they're they're going to ultimately get to New York. Um, oh wait, I confused Seattle and Portland again, didn't I? Oh, you my did. God, come yeah. God, that's some. They co- all look the same yeah. to you. That's some one coastal white. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. is what it is. Pretty, pretty true. Can't help it. Um, I'm drowning in whiteness. Oh man. Okay, so uh, we're not gonna go there. But one, um, uh, someone from Seattle sent us a. It's a great email. This woman who said, "Like this is this woman is the bane of my existence," and she's like a local activist writer it's oh is that where that came from yeah that's oh where my came from. gosh um, i thought i told you that i don't no, know no, I, you I sent was, me the link to I her the link. yeah and i, just, I, I wanted to get you she already blocked me that's amazing yeah some seattle like 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 yeah. black lives matter type activist and this woman was like she's the worst i'd love to hear you guys talk about her and i was like that's a pretty good idea look at her stuff and uh and she's so bad and i sent it to camille and she'd already plumped him, <laughs> which was like that's some that's some real shit right there. Yeah, you think you're on a block list? No, I'm not on a block list. I, I vaguely remember what happened. I read something of hers and commented on her shit as I do, which yeah. is not to say I said this bitch is so fucking stupid. Which I mean could be true, technically. Yeah. Um, but I said something that was. Critical. These perspectives aren't, aren't yeah, some as well yeah. thought out as they could be. Fucking Urkel? along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she didn't like it. And she didn't respond. She just blocked me. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you're yeah. drowning in whiteness. Yeah, yeah. When that's the real problem. She's a mixed race black woman, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. It doesn't that the thing just disproves itself. 
She you says she's the that. Heather was talking about drowning in whiteness, and then she's like, "I'm mixed race," and she's in light skin thing, but and that's part of the thing she's running about. And I, t- I texted Camille back uh, when she said she was drowning in whiteness. I just figured she was at her mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, who but knows? This, this is the thing: she claims to be an expert in whiteness because of her mom, or is it because she's black and as a black woman who is that? that there's the sermon that she's giving. I don't even know what the context is for can, it. Can I call her You said like, I can't talk about that now. And you're already oh, like sweating. <laughs> you're like angry. But, no, but, but I, I listen to the whole thing because I always do. Yeah. Like I'm always listening to what these people say because they're, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's something I don't understand. It's more than I do for you. At some point in the, in, in this, what do I do for him. <laughs> at some point in this sermon, she says that she cannot afford to ignore the racial component of everything because if she does she will die or i'm sorry what she'll die or her child will die or oh. her brother will die what? what's wonderful about this Who's sermon dying? what's wonderful about the sermon you linked me to is she never explains how it will kill her she alludes to the fact that there is it's the one that i sent you injustice. which i read to yeah. i remember you're saying now she alludes to the fact that there's an injustice in the healthcare system some sort of disparity in the rendering of services and this will kill her i can only imagine what being that paranoid about everything does to you but what it does is this it does we're at a place now that she doesn't have to explain it to you it's so like de rigueur that like the argument is like yeah that this people are being killed in every possible yeah. kind of element of society because I would of like their to risk. talk to her. I would like to talk to her. I would talk to her. You know I would, what I would, I would like try. to hear, regardless of Just send her a message. Uh, if it's her in particular, <laughs> mm, is that um that that is a data point that I've heard a ton that African American women die at rates in emergency rooms three times. I think it's emergency rooms. It could be in, in, mm-hmm. in natal situations. They talk about natal situations frequently. Um, three times the rate as everybody else. I don't know anything about the stat. Mm-hmm. Is, it, it, is it adjusted for poverty? Don't know. Don't know. Sometimes. Um, so and that's still true when it's adjusted for poverty? Depends. It is the, said so often mm-hmm. that an actual look at that uh, stat and what's behind it would mm-hmm. be of potential interest. To there there, there are, people. there are in fact outcomes disparities. It's just, it tends to be a lot more complicated. I remember looking at the natal study, um, which actually generated some headlines a while ago. And there are disparities actually in both directions. There are weird circumstances where in particular regions, in particular hospitals, like black babies tend to do better than their white, than white babies, which I don't know. Is that also racism? Perhaps that explains what's happening when the disparity runs in the other direction, but I just don't know. So let me get, let me offer something for you. Maybe this is uh, one of those early release special dispatches that we then release to the to the world. Um, Matt just said, "I hear this a lot. I do too." You mm-hmm. know, we're gonna go and, get the studies. And it, no, well, I'm gonna we can. I'm gonna t- take a list of five or ten of these very very common things that mm-hmm. you hear a lot, particularly about race, and um, oh, ask you about them. That's a good so, idea. Five things, you know, that um, police shooting, whatever it might be, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And well, I, want, I, want, I want to know ahead of time. And of course. And I mean, no, go no, get, not, no, no, go get the studies yeah, and yeah, look at the latest stuff. And let's yeah, see. It's not, it's not interesting. Let's see, if, not, let's see have, if my, if my conclusions bear out. And if I trusted the research if they, were, if they matched up, you would, you would be yeah, honest about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, all right. So that's that we're going to do that. Yeah. The data might have changed. Maybe there's new research that suggests that I've been wrong about police shooting shit all along, which is entirely possible, although I doubt it completely because I've looked at all this shit. But it, it also means that the people that have been trumpeting this stuff were also wrong. 
because they were using the same data that you were using. Well, Maybe if there's clarifying data, they just happen to be right. But, but yeah, you know, this is possible. Right. Yeah. So we went on for uh, a while now and this, this is, is two, this is two yeah, party shows. I've, en- I've enjoyed four, it. Four I'm going to put this on four shows with yeah. pre-roll and like ads <laughs> for fucking stamps.com in front of everyone. Um, all right. Uh, paying people. We love you uh, desperately. You. And thank you so much. Um, we don't just say bye to you. We say, we love you. Thank you. Oh, you, and you make um, our lives a lot easier. Bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack.